Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast recorded live every week from King's Comics in Sydney. What's that address? Co-host Siobhan Coombs. That's 310 Pitt Street in Sydney. And that's the voice of my co-host, Siobhan <laughs> Coombs. That's me. My name's Andrew Levins, and every week Siobhan and I read pretty much every comic that comes out. Um, DC, Marvel, Image, Archie, Dark Horse, Boom, and more, more, more. We'll be reviewing comics from all the publishers later. We review all the mm-hmm. number ones. This week we're going to do a big seg- uh, segment on number twos, and I don't mean the, ba- the comics that sucked. Arf, arf. Uh, I mean the comics that were the second issue. Um, we, we, we're going to do a f- our first segment, which is called First Things First, in which we review all of the new number ones. That's how we start each show. Mm-hmm. We might even have some uh, listener email at the end of the show as well we can answer. Um, but, but yeah, we're going to kick off with uh, some of the best and some of the worst new series that started last week. Let you know which comics, which brand new series you should be reading too, and kick off with my favorite book that came out, favorite number one that came out last week. That's a nice way to start. Ether, mm. the new book by Matt Kent and David Rubin, out through Dark Horse. We are big Kent fans. Yes, absolutely. Depth, de- or Department H um, that he's putting out currently at Dark Horse is uh, one of my favorite books of the year. Murder mystery comic set in the depths of the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very different comic to. Pretty much everything of Matt Kintz that I've read, I've, I've I've read a little, a few things that he's done for other publishers like um, uh, Valiant and Marvel. He did a Spider Man series a couple of years ago, um, but mostly for, for you know the the stuff I've read in the Kintverse mm. is uh, either stuff that he's collaborated with uh, Jeff Lemire on. He did some feeling issues of um, Sweet Tooth. Yep. Um, he also had a series, the name of which escapes me. That mind fi- management. That's it. Mind mind management that, that that finished on Dark Horse a couple of years ago. I really like that, and that's quite similar in tone and theme. Well, not so much in theme, but definitely in tone to uh, to depth. He's very much like he'll do quite far out concepts, but he'll always kind of accentuate the melancholy nature yeah. of those concepts in his in his creator own thing. So I was kind of expecting that. The front cover of Ether uh, shows two sides of. Um, an adventurer. One of them is a very fantastical side. The other is quite a grim, uh, homeless-looking kind of you know ragged real-world side. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, the the front cover is split in in, in, in two, and they're both of these worlds. First page of this book, you're immediately introduced to this rugged, crazy hero um, 
and in this completely insane world, which just kind of throws you deep in the middle of it. You kind of taught the laws of this world, and he basically has to, you know, request access to this world by Glum, who is a ginormous monkey gorilla, who is the gatekeeper of the crossroads. He has to, like, kind of speak his destination and his purpose, and then the monkey kicks him into the dimension that he wants to go visit. So Uh, good. It's really, really goofy and fun. I mean, I, I, I was expecting something quite bleak, which mm, is what Matt, like he's, they're never hard to read, but they're never particularly you know optimistic situations. Yeah, yeah they're always great, about. but you do want to cry afterwards. Whereas this is just like pure zaniness. Yeah, like I mean, it gets a bit it gets a bit hectic because this is like a murder mystery, and I was sort of not quite expecting that from how lighthearted it began. Like, and you can tell immediately this is so much more like hypercolor than anything else you'd see Matt Kent involved in absolutely so you immediately understand that this is like a much more far out and much more light-hearted book than he would normally be doing definitely and the the artwork is a lot less scratchy than matt kintz but the facial expressions uh actually you know that they 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 have definitely have a home with kintz writing absolutely um uh, i thought the art was matched perfectly with this book we kind of are introduced to this insane world that um our, our hero uh visits frequently what's his name i don't even know mr ether it's probably not that <laughs> but the world he visits is called the ether yeah um and uh yeah he's basically been enlisted by like a the royalty and the ether kind of to, to find out who's who's uh murdered he's, he's the mayor enlists him to find out who's murdered this the woman blaze. the blaze um and then uh you know he, he basically Travels to meet one of his adversaries mm-hmm. to try and find out more information, and we kind of get introduced to more and more of this world that he can't spend too much time in, um, and he, so he he leaves this world and returns to the real world in which he is a homeless man mm-hmm. um, living under a like a bridge uh, in the cold. It's a really cool concept. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not 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 sure how how long this series is going to go for. David Rubin's art is is stellar, like phenomenal. Oh. I don't like. I was just trying to look up what else he's worked on, and he hasn't like he's done he did a cover for Black Hammer, and he's worked on a couple of other little single issues here and there, but not much. But it's very like Paul Pope esque, I would say. Paul Pope, or even um, uh, who are those two Brazilian brothers? Uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr. That's right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And he yeah, and, and David Rubin does the the colors as well in this too, and the colors are excellent. And the work, like it's so, like full of action and movement, um, and so much like expression, and it's got that real sort of, like almost 2000 AD or Brandon Graham style. Like there's lots of little details and it's a really like well fleshed out world. And there's lots of kind of throwaway jokes and, and the, bizarre the, characters. In yeah. The and and the yeah. kinds of like creatures that live in the ether are all unique and bizarre and funny and weird. And it's so good. Yeah. It's really, this is easily my pick of uh, pick of the number Absolutely. ones that came out this week, but I, it's clearly not for everyone. If you cannot handle whimsy and zaniness, mm-hmm. you might not like this very much. But uh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I'm, I'm on board for number two through hopefully sixty issues. Same. Um, on to another number one book that came out this week through Marvel, uh, a brand new Thanos comic by the aforementioned Je- Jeff Lemire wrote this one with art by Mark- Mike Diodato, who uh, did a, a lot of the work. Um, on uh, on Jonathan Hickman's run mm-hmm. and um, of, of the Avengers, um, and so he actually drew a lot of these characters in the past. Uh, basically, in in Hickman's Incredible Avengers run, you get introduced to these uh, one of the, these characters that represent like the death. They were the people that that were they were the characters that were destroying all of these different worlds mm. throughout the multiverse, and um, we met. 
Corvus Glaive, who is the uh, master of the Black Order, and mm-hmm. he worked beneath Thanos, but Thanos has been missing while he's been on Earth, so he's taken over the Black Order. Um, I quite liked all those weird characters that Hickman introduced. Yeah. We're, we're big Hickman fans over mm-hmm. here. Hick fans. Um, so, wasn't too impressed when, uh, you know, one of the first things that happens in this book is that character dies. Yeah. But, but I mean, he, yeah, I wasn't I mean, super yeah, surprised. He hasn't really popped up anywhere since Hickman used him. So Yeah. And, also, you and know, if you he, sit he on Thanos' a, throne, that yes. is what is going to happen, That's guys. true. Um, so, uh, on this show that you're listening to right now, uh, there is a, an assumption that you've read most of these books. Siobhan and I try not to spoil things that happen in creator-owned and image titles, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like with Marvel stuff and DC stuff, like things get rewritten and changed and written about in news stuff. I think there is, you know, I'm less worried about spoiling yeah, big things totally. here. So, uh, the big thing about this that makes it different from other Thanos stories in which Thanos is this big character that can only be stopped by his love of death mm-hmm. Um what makes this series different uh, from other Thanos series is that uh, where Thanos usually brings death to people, it looks like Thanos himself is dying. In like a really gross bleeding from his nose kind of way. <laughs> um, on the side of uh, like the, the B plot of this is uh, we're reintroduced to uh, other characters. You've got um, Thane, who is um, Thanos's son. And then you have uh, Thanos's brother. What's his name? Trico Slatteris. Yeah, that's a good name. Is, it, is that his he looks like He looks like a ginger uh, lobo. Right, yeah. Which I'm into. I'm not sure. No, he, he, so he calls himself a champion. I, I've not, I'm not read. I think these are, these are very high concept 80s creations. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Is Thane's girlfriend death? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who so, that is. I, I've read all of the... Um, Jim, who wrote all the big Thanos stuff in... Uh, Jim Starlin, thank mm. you so much. That's the name I was thinking of. I was actually just—I just asked Jim Starlin, yeah. who, who wrote it, and uh, uh, I've read all that stuff. And and, mm. and death is like actually a, a like the figure a of physical death. embodiment. It's a skull wearing a cape. Yeah, um, so hot. But this death is is a sexy lady. Mm. And um and Thane, sexier than a skull in a cape. I don't think so. Thane looks like um Sinestro as well. Yeah, totally. Red face, yellow costume. He's like a this. sexy lithe Thanos. Um and then an Eros. A.K.A. Star Fox. Star, I think Star Fox is, uh, is, is Thanos' brother. Whatever. These are Whatever. characters that we have not seen in a while. <coughs> it looks like there's a big adventure building and Thanos is dying. Uh, it was uh, interesting enough. Lemire is writing way too many comics Whew, um, at the moment. And I was kind of half expecting to you know, not, not get much out of this book. But I got enough out of it. It's kind of, the next issue has a great cover. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to read the next issue, but the cover of the next issue is Thanos like reaching towards a butterfly that is flying away from him. So I'm obviously going to read that. Yeah, and I, you know, I generally like Diodato's art. Hmm. He's um, good at like space, space, and big yeah. chunky superheroes and stuff like that. So. Definitely. Um, I also love the massive uh, Thanos returns double yeah, spread. Yeah, that was fun earlier in the in the, in the thing. So yeah, I'm going to read this book. Hmm. Um, Props to Marvel for not making uh, a number one set in space four ninety nine. <laughs> like yes. it's not not actual props, but like I'm I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've been doing it way too often lately. So yeah, we're going to keep reading Thanos. Yeah, I think so. I reckon. Kind of you know these in in a in a in a week where we read way too many comics, I feel like the easiest things to read are the ongoing kind of big spacey superhero books. Yeah, yeah, 
Totally. It's why I'd, like, I complain about Bendis books without actually dropping them mm. because as, as difficult as they are to uh, give a good review to, they're also extremely easy to read. Yeah, 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 you can just like power through them. But more on Bendis later in the show. Let's talk about Slam. Oh, this yeah. This is a new Boombox book. Boombox is uh, the kind of uh, teenage um, imprint that Boom do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book written by uh, Pamela Ribbon um, with uh, art by, is it Ribbon or Ribbon, do you think? I were hoping it's Ribbon. Um, arts so. by Veronica Fish So you could say that the creative team on this is Ribbon and Fish Nice uh, Veronica Fish we've enjoyed immensely on Spider-Woman and Archie this year Yeah um, And uh, the cover on this book is so good I kind of wished that that colour scheme of like the green and pink That was just mm. kind of like the norm throughout the book But the colours in this are fine It's you know just regular people colours you know Normal Give me some greens uh, So this is a, a book all about um, roller derby Which yeah. is a, uh, a sport yeah. Slash extracurricular activity that I know nothing about. Ah, nice. I know it's uh, you know f- predominantly female. You haven't seen that movie with Drew Barrymore in it? No. No, I have. The Wedding Singer. The other one. <laughs> um, Halfway through, they all start skating and punching <laughs> each other. So roller derby is like you just like go. It's like you're in roller skates and you yeah. go round and round and you bash other people out. Pretty much, yeah. And it's like you're like it's like the last woman standing kind of thing, or uh, I think there's some kind of point scoring to it, but I actually don't know. Right. Um, it's a fun and vague sport that uh, lends itself perfectly to a comic. Absolutely. Because it, this is written by someone that, that clearly knows somewhat, at least more than I do, the rules of roller derby. <laughs> um, but more more than that, it's about the, the characters who and why they're attracted to roller derby. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to two, two characters who are at very different points in their lives. Um, one of them has just gotten out of a long relationship and mm-hmm. she's really she really needs something to fill her time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is uh, someone who is... like you know, really trying to prove herself to her parents, uh, definitely way too engaged in study and is, I guess, a bit bored. Mm. Um, and so they they b- are both introduced to roller derby and immediately uh, we kind Fall of see them. Love. Yeah, yeah. They, with roller derby, not roller. each other. <laughs> Although there are, some, there are some roller derbians in love. I and mean, a lot of them are in love with one of the characters too. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved this book. Yeah, it was heaps fun. It was nice that it's sort of like, um, like just straight up like a sort of... Sp- teen vaguely around sports book like it's not trying to be like anything more high concept than that it's just like about young people and playing sports and being female and having friends yeah totally. much. there's great. no like werewolves or yeah, yeah 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 secret societies yeah i mean yet <laughs> yeah maybe maybe there's some enchanted roller skates that show up in a couple issues from now but you know i really love these you know there were these great splash pages of um uh, pre-derby and after-derby. Yeah, and we, so and we, fun. And we see what these people were like before they discovered derby and after. And, you know, they're really sweet. And I, I really... I'm, I'm I'm just stoked on pretty much everything Boombox is doing. Yeah, they're really I haven't read a few... I mean, I mean, obviously, Lumberjanes is like the star title mm. of the of this the, this franchise that, 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 that Boom do, which is like their kind of teen and pre-teen imprint, Boombox. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not reading Lumberjanes. No, so me that, neither. I never quite got into it for some um, reason. But... Uh, I really like Goldie Vance. I really like Backstages. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Slam. I, really, I should check out Giant Days, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to read um, all of John Allison's stuff online, and for some reason, I've just not fallen off. And there's now there's a huge backlog of brilliant John Allison comics for me to read. So I do recommend Giant Days. And then Jonesy as well was another one that that came out that I missed. I should pick it up. People say that's good. Yeah, we'll be reviewing Backstages number five later on in the ep- in the episode too. So stay tuned, y'all. But first, um, did you want to pick a number one that you read that you liked? Oh, have we got any left that I did like? Oh Not wow, really. you didn't like Grand Passion? I mean, I thought it was okay. 
This is a new Dynamite book written by James Robinson, uh, who I'm uh, somewhat of a fan of. Airboy was probably my favourite comic of last year, which he wrote with Greg Hinkle. Um, and this is a book, yeah, out through Dynamite. It's called Grand Passion, art by Tom Feister. And it is similar to, what was the... Uh, Violent Love. Violent Love, that the Bonnie and Clyde-esque kind of... So weird how this always happens. Like, like, yeah, like, first there was Ants, and then there was Bugs Life, <laughs> and now this. Exactly! <laughs> Illuminati. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it's... Very different. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah, Violent absolutely. Love. Um, Less of a, um, like, still very firmly in that kind of Bonnie and Clyde romance crime sort of genre, but um, less um, retro, I guess. Yes. Way less stylized. Yeah. Too. <laughs> so this set is now. This is set now. Um, basically, the two characters, our, our, our star-crossed lovers, one of them is... Um, in a body, Bonnie and Clyde-esque uh, relationship in which her and her partner go from town to town in different outfits and rob banks. Um, and then the other one is a, uh, a recently transferred police officer who's working in a small town and trying to fit in. And um, to kind of cut to the end of this story, uh, while the Bonnie and Clyde couple are robbing a bank, um, the she comes eye to eye with this new cop and it's love at first sight. And then the cop kills her, her crime partner um, after after he kills his police partner. Mm. And um, even though they love each other immediately, this book ends with her realizing that she has to she has a code and she has to track down this police officer who she's head over heels in love with, even though they've they haven't even said a word to each other. But she has to kill him now. There's a code. She's got to obey it. It's got a code. Very what didn't important. you like about this? Because I, I am definitely going to read the second issue of this because it introduced a pretty interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't not like it right. at all. Um, but I just didn't. I probably enjoyed Violet Love more. Well, the art in Violet Love is yeah. considerably better than this. This is very. I mean, this has some really interesting, um, like panel layouts and stuff like that, which I really enjoyed. Like, there's some really interesting sort of double page spreads where dare I say, it tells the story in a very cool way. Dare I say that's James Robinson's doing more than it is the artist? I mean, you may dare. Yeah, I mean, I don't we'll know. never know. D- like Dynamite. And the problem that stops me from getting really, really invested in Dynamite books is they almost have like this house style yeah. of like inoffensive, very straightforward art that yeah. very rarely lends itself to flair or you know Being art stylized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like this definitely would have benefited from, by a different artist. But the, I mean, the art's still great. It's it's, it's very readable. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally readable. It's a fun story. Um, it just didn't it didn't blow my mind in any significant way. But I'll probably still continue reading it, if I remember. <laughs> so, no. Probably not. Then. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the, the James Bond book, that um, the Andy Diggle one. Yeah. The biggest difference, like, yeah, I mean, there is a tonal difference. But what stops me from the main part for getting into it is that, you know, Ian Masters does a Warren Ellis book and the art's fantastic. Mm. I don't know. I couldn't tell you who did the art on, on, on Andy Diggle's book, but it's a massive step back behind from what we're seeing on the Warren Ellis James Bond book and Dynamite just yeah I wish they had a bigger pool of talent and a bigger budget for artists yeah yeah yeah, yeah. same oh well but that said at least they're giving people work totally <laughs> um, did you read the comic book history of comics number one I didn't because I sort of assumed it was just going to be like the history of comics <laughs> it, it is but it's written by fred van lente who oh, yeah. does weird detective among other things that we've yep. enjoyed since we started the podcast funny man um ryan dunlavey did the art on this and it's very broad caricature kind of art mm-hmm. 
Um, but it suits this quite well. There is this almost like this infographic, almost like a like a school textbook, shitty cartoon quality to his art that I kind awesome. of got into. Um, what it does is they're really they're telling the the history of comics. This first issue is from in the USA from 1898 till 1938, but this is going to tell stories about manga. This oh, is going cool. to tell stories about. Um, you know, superhero comics, comic strips, basically comics in all their forms. And this this starts with the, the very first examples of it in America, mm-hmm. but it even ties back to like the use of speech bubbles in in art as early as the 1500s and things like that. Like, and so, like, yeah, it is it is quite a straightforward hist- historical comic, mm. but it's about comics mm. and it's told the writing in this is really strong. And what's cool about it is they quickly establish Jack Kirby as nice. kind of the... The king, the the the, the hero of this mm. comic. I didn't know that he worked for Max Fleischer, mm. who was Walt Disney's biggest rival when it came to animated. He did um, all those incredible films. Superman cartoons, exactly. But um, so yeah, this this ties in like the Disney stuff with Kirby's upbringing with Max Fleischer, and does a really great job of balancing and going from arc to arc. And you know, we learn more and more. Uh, and in, in, in the in the background, you've got Jerry Siegel Fun. writing writing pulp stories. Mm-hmm. And and why pulp was so so popular in the 30s and 20s, mm. and uh, yeah, it's just this is like a really really well done, easy to read, historical awesome comic that that is about something that I've always you know like any all these stories have definitely been told they're pretty easy to find on Wikipedia, but no one's ever really linked them in together almost you know as well as this almost like a fun, really fun narrative there is a great story that, that's being told here and i think it's always good like when these stories get updated because you know 10 years ago we would have been having a very different conversation about what stan lee did and what jack kirby did and Absolutely. it's always interesting to see like how things change historically yeah i'm just making sure so i'm just making sure that i had that, that i that i got, got it right because the character is jack kurtzberg yeah cool that is jack right, kirby yeah, that yeah. is his real name <laughs> he refers to him as kurtzberg i was like oh my god what if it's wrong what if what if that's actually bill finger's real name or something <laughs> <laughs> um i will not be made to look like an idiot on this podcast <laughs> uh so yeah the comic book the four color comic book history of comics um issue one if you want to learn more about comics and the history of them mm-hmm. i highly recommend this awesome. this is you would love Yeah, I think this. I actually am. And I'm so excited for when out. they start doing manga and if they're able to cross the threads of what's going on in America or with Europe. And in the um even just like reading the the copyright page, they um they say who owns all the different properties they'll be writing about. So you've mm. got like Mickey and Captain America, Archie, Astro Boy, The Spirit, cool. um and then like, you know, Godzilla, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bone, Pokemon. Like they're going to cover a very broad. Yeah, wow. Spawn, Tintin, so it looks like they're going to be a lot of all the big ones, a lot of big stuff. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really cool book. So yeah, that's heaps cool, and that'll be like a nice thing in trade as well. Definitely, um, it reminds me almost about like you know like a, a, a less well drawn hip hop family tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a story that's been told a lot of lot of times, but never in like such a fun comic book format. Format. Awesome. Valiant put out a number one this week. Harbing a renegade. Did you like this one? I mean, there's a lot. The problem. My key problem with Valiant books, and it's probably why people also really love Valiant, is that there's so much, like, assumed knowledge or not, like, you have to really skill up and level up to be able to understand what the hell this comic book is. And I know most superhero comics are like that, but just I have less of a, I have less understanding of Valiant as a whole. And there's, like, a number of pages of text before you have, before you get to the comic. And I still... 
yeah, couldn't remember. Right, most. Of I, I kind of enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the historical recap of what happened when Harbinger came out. There was this is maybe the, the second comic that Valiant put out when they relaunched a few years ago mm. was Harbinger um, after um, the one about the the big tech things. What's that one called? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, uh, so, but I, I got that one and Harbinger, and I, I dropped both after four or five issues because I just I'd never never read Harbinger growing up, yeah. or any any Valiant comics really growing up. So it, it didn't really resonate with me at all. But I've since come on as someone that that wants to know more about this universe. Mm. And small windows that I that I peer into have been really really enjoyable. Others less so. Um, I was expecting to dislike this, just like we did a, one of the number ones I put out about a month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think may have been written by Fred Renlante, actually. Um, but it was a similar kind of, almost like an analogy of the X-Men with these powers. I think it links directly with this comic, too. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Whatever. Generation X or something That's like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this Harbinger Ren- Renegade is written by Raphael Roberts, who writes a great deal of the new Valiant comics, mm-hmm. Archer and Armstrong and a few other ones. Um, Derek Robinson is uh, one of probably the biggest name artists that, that they've had is. work on. Uh, that they've had work on. on uh, I don't recognize on him stuff. when he's not drawing like repulsive stuff Garth in the boys. Stuff. Yeah, the boys. <laughs> and uh, he also did Transmetropolitan. Oh, yeah. Um, he's done lots and lots of great stuff. Um, so I was very surprised to see him on here. It looks like this is going to be maybe a four-issue series. Okay. Um, so that makes sense that Derek Robertson will be committed to a short little run. Mm. You've also got artwork um, in a prelude comic by um, Juan Jose Rip and... Um, also, there's another pre- a pre-prelude <laughs> with art by um, um, Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. Um, but, yeah, this is a lot to take in with this comic. Yeah. I kind of left it actually being quite entertained by it. And yeah, same. Sorry, that was really high-pitched. But, yeah, like, <laughs> I... Um, people people can I, think it was me. It took a lot of, like, getting into it. But by the end of the issue, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. I'll read I'm engaged yeah so i think yeah I, I think there is if if you have not read any valiant stuff there is enough of an introduction here that if you actually read it all mm. and take it in you can enjoy this comic for what it is without knowing too much of what's come before it yeah. obviously if you have read all the harbinger stuff and the harbinger wars and all that crap that came out this will be great That's for you useful. <laughs> um but uh yeah so basically like there, there are science in this room in this world and um they're in the previous volume of Harbinger, our heroes leaked the information of every potential site. So someone with, with superpowers. They're pretty much mutants. Exactly. Um, so if everyone who potentially has powers in this universe has been leaked, and so anyone can kind of find out where they live, who they are. Um, and so the government are trying to track them down. Then there's a, a group of uh, people who are trying to track them down to kind of activate their superpowers like in the underground scene, and mm-hmm. it's resulting in the deaths of lots of potential super beings. There's a very gory death of a poor young girl in this. Yeah, hectic. Um, and then you have established characters, um, particularly Faith is probably the, the biggest name mm-hmm. character in the Valiant universe. Um, that's a part of this, um, trying to kind of bring back the, the, the Harbinger renegades, mm. um, to kind of help these new potential superpowered Syat people. Um, finally kind of the, the, the hero of the Harbinger book, who did certainly didn't start out as that he was like a very shy, drug addicted, troubled dude. But uh, he turns out he's been living off-world in space, and uh, the front cover of the second issue is incredible. It's like mm. him kind of meditating, um, in surra- a bubble. surrounded by an iPhone with headphones, like just kind of floating in a bubble in space, um, which is really really cool. Mm. Heaps cool. Yeah, and that that really hooked me. I was like, ooh, like bearded ex-druggy floating in space. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I think the moment that this comic really grabbed me was when. Um, 
So in the beginning scene, um, some people are infiltrating someone else's house. I've already forgotten who all of these characters are, but one of the like booby traps that he has is all he has all these um, cherub statues. Yeah, they start like shooting gas out from their mouths, but it just looks like they're like blowing smoke out. I thought that was funny. The guy leading that was my favorite bit of the comic. Is the guy leading that invasion is one of the biggest bad guys in the Valiant universe called Toyo Harada. Right there, there you, you go. go. Um, so yeah, carving a re- renegade. Wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. But mm. so uh, yeah, if you're looking for yet another superpowered being comic with an underground society and all <laughs> kinds know of you things, are. Going, like yeah, there's there's going to be at least twenty main characters in this four part series. Yeah. So if you want a quite a dense superhero read, uh, yeah, buy check out Harving a Renegade number one. Did you read Red Dog? No, you oh didn't. no, I didn't. Was that <laughs> so? Red Dog I is it was like, about dogs. No, it's it's it reminded me a lot of Descender, the Jeff Lemire oh, yeah. and um and Dustin Nguyen uh, comic, which is about an android in space in a world where uh, robots go rogue and destroy heaps of humans. So the humans go on a quest to destroy all robots, mm. um, as you do. So this one is uh yeah, it's in in a future world where there's a planet with mi- where they're mining weird space stuff, um and he's made his 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 father. There's one kid that lives on this planet, um this mining planet, and uh, his his father makes him a robotic dog um and there's even a character named timothy another child named timothy in this book um so there are a lot of things to be kind of comparative points to be drawn to descender it's not not quite as fun or uh enchanting as descender is uh it's a bit quite straightforward that they're they're living on this mining planet uh in which they um there are like natives which are kind of almost like fantasy kind of orcs that, that that attack the the mining village all the time uh and um and the kid wants to prove himself and wants to go out and battle these these natives i don't know it's, it's fine it's cool the art's pretty good um it's written by uh um rob rob cohen um and who's rob cohen is he someone maybe this is based on a big property red dog it's uh rob cohen's red dog so rob cohen you know normally if you have your name written before something else it generally means you're a pretty big deal hmm uh, Siobhan is working the Google machine right now, finding out who this Rob Cohen is. He is an American film, film director. director. Oh, he did the Triple X movie. Oh wow! No wonder this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Red Dog. It's been adapted by um, Andy Ewington, illustrated by Rob Atkins. It's come out through Four Five One Comics, which is an imprint I've never read anything from before. Yeah, me neither. I'd n- I've never seen that yep. ever. It, it, it appeared in my pile because I have a uh, a standing order rule that any number one goes in my pile each week. Mm-hmm. So thank you, King's Comics, for giving me Red Dog number one. Um, this is going to be a six-issue limited series. If you can track it down and you like the idea of a future planet with mining and a kid who's lonely, um, pick it up. <laughs> I probably won't read it, actually, too. <laughs> uh, finally, num- last number one was Yakuza Demon Killers. Uh, what a good name. I got very excited. What for an this exciting one. title and exciting cover. Four issue mini series written by Amit Chohan and uh, drawn by Ellie Powell. Uh, this comic was. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you describe this one, Siobhan? It was confusing <laughs> and then not that enjoyable. Yeah. So in the a, art's quite good, though. It reminds me of Sean Murphy. Yeah, a very scratch, like drunk Sean Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Murphy, like, five years ago. Um, when he was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, there's, like, a... They, they enlist the help of a junkie to steal an ancient katana. Yeah. And then, upon doing so, they unleash a bunch of, like, gross beasts into the world. Yeah. And then the katana attaches onto her arm, 
and then they go and hang out with some Yakuza guys, and then it looks like demons are attacking. Yeah, portals opened. Um, God damn it, there's always portals opening. This is like the like quintessential IDW comic that we only read one issue of. I feel like they put one yeah, out a week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like you get this, this like kind of peer into this world that you never want to return to. Yeah. <laughs> IDW. They put out. They put out. They do put out some good stuff. Yeah, they put out good stuff. I this hope, just I, I hope we're reviewing something of theirs that I liked later in the. I don't think I am. <laughs> oh no, I am. Cool. There's, there's one comic of theirs that I really ah, liked few. coming up soon. So that is first things first. The segment in which we review all the brand new number ones of the week. Uh, some really good ones in there. Um, I highly recommend picking up Slam. Yeah. And Ether. Ether. Um, Ether's my pick. Yeah, Ether was the, was the the big standout in in, in this week. Um, so usually we kind of would go straight from that into reviewing either Marvel or DC, of course, via the uh, most popular segment on the show, Flip a Coin for Marvel or DC. You guys love it. Uh, but this week, since there are so many second issues of comics that I think, you know, made a made a quite an impression of us with their first issue, I think we're going to do a brand new segment, which is going to make a return whenever there are a lot of number twos, um, called Second Things Second, in which we review all of the second issues of these uh, of these series that we uh, you know reviewed the first of because it is it it's very easy to make an impression with the first issue. Mm. I feel like the second issue is more important because it allows you to kind of build on the world more, actually explain what the comic is going to be about, introduce us to the characters a bit better. Basically, it just you know expands on what what what's hooked you in that first issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, the perfect example of this is Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, mm. which is a young animal book written by Gerard Way and John Rivera with art by Michael Avon Oeming. Um, did you say Oeming or Oeming? I don't know. I would say Oeming, but... I, 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 I ask that every time I say his name. It just never sounds right. Uh, this is uh, probably the book that we said last week was our least favourite of the young animal books so far. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we'd only read the first issue at that point and it kind of gave us this vague introduction to this character of Cave Carson who has a cybernetic eye and uh, has problems with his family, problems with his work mm-hmm. and uh, there are fantastical creatures from his past that are coming to get him. This second issue, I just think, just cemented, kind of explained more of the world and, you know, because a lot of these young animal books are purposely weird in their first yeah. issue. This did a, a nice enough amount of explanation and gave us more of a, of a story, gave us more insight into the, the character, that this world, this, this company that, that Cave Carson works for and, and his past as an adventurer. Mm. This is a really good second this issue. This is really, really fun. <coughs> like, the key thing that I love is how much Ava Noeming is able to just, like, let loose. Like, this is amazing work from him, I think. Like, yeah. so, so but I really bizarre and colourful and exciting. I really didn't think so in that first issue. Like I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah, but it, I think in this issue now we're getting like actual action. Yeah, it, it's so good. There's explosions, there are darts, there are things being thrown. There's all kinds of crazy stuff appearing from, uh, like we kind of is that, that that final page where it goes all pink and crazy? Is that what Cave Carson can see through his eye? I don't know. I don't know yet, but that's exciting. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this book. Oh, that, that is him. It, 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 that's actually him using his cybernetic eye. Oh, cool. So that's Oh, that's amazing. There's a brilliant page where you see this laser cut through a bad guy and then explode a hole through uh, the wall. And we see, like, from different points of his view, oh. we see the laser pierce through these bad guys and then their faces decay over three panels that the panels themselves are also decaying. It's a really strong page. Yeah, it's I've amazing. not seen Oming do something... Of, on that level before it's cool to see, yeah you're right it's cool to see him really let loose this and the Alistair Crowley book that just came out that he did the art on are like I, didn't, I didn't read that amazing so so good I thought I talked about it last you week did, yeah. but um, yeah you should definitely read it 
Yeah, this is such a fun issue. I love what's the um God, I can't remember his name, the guy wearing the hockey mask. Um Mad Dog. Yes. Dog something. <laughs> something dog guy. That's fun. Yeah. I like that guy. It's all really, and it's really fun. And again that you know, there are these there's a really gruesome bit where we learn how he got his cybernetic eye. Like he didn't ask for it. Yeah. An eye attacked him, p- pulled out his eye and just inserted <laughs> just itself in. into his head. Uh yeah. I, this is a really sick series and I'm you know, I, w- I was very, very hesitant to you know, obviously we're going to read everything that that they put out with, mm. to begin with, but I was a bit hesitant to put my support behind what they were trying to do with Young Animal. I'm a bit dubious towards Gerard Way. Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit a lame creator. how there's like My Chemical Romance ads in the book, but I, mean, but I guess oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the target audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm fucking on board with Young Absolutely. Animal. Absolutely, I'm I'm really excited by all these all these books now, and yeah, um, this was the one that I was the most lukewarm on, and I think it's now like become my favorite. So, it's not my favorite. Shade's but it's still good. your favorite. Yeah. Shade's still my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, look, pick up these uh, these young animal books if you can find the first and second issues. I'm sure Worth they're all gonna, they're all going to get second printings with uh, very cool variant covers. Uh, check it out for sure. So that was us raving about a book. Can we complain about some books now? Yes, please. Brian Michael Bendis. What do you think of him, Siobhan? <laughs> I think he seems like a nice husband and father. I think at some point in uh, serious issues canon, we should do. A Brian Michael Bendis centric episode, yeah. Because for the compl- I do a great deal of complaining about what he writes currently mm. and what irks me. You know, for every good moment you- he gives you in a story, he also gives you three things to complain about. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely a time where he he was not doing that kind of thing at all. In fact, all of his books were must reads, especially if you're a Marvel fan. He's done. You know, I- I've I've read almost all of the Powers stuff, um, and he- and for me, like. He's very great at introducing a concept, um, but he's terrible at sticking to the landing. Absolutely. Um, and uh, lately, that landing, he falls right off track way earlier than he used to. He's landing flat on his face. So, I think, you know, after we kind of gave semi-positive reviews to Infamous Iron Man number one and Jessica Jones number one, we've got the second issues of both of those that came out last week. Uh, infamous Iron Man with fantastic art by um, Alex Maleev and um, Jessica Jones with uh, Return to the, How the Alias series once looked um, by uh, Michael Gatos. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to see, you know, pretty much exact return to what these characters used to look like in that book. Yeah, interesting. Um, from like the painted first page to the, you mm-hmm. know, the, the kind of inky interiors within. Um, so we've got the second issues of both of these books and uh, all the things that annoyed me about the first issue are back tenfold. Yeah. Which of these should we talk about first? Uh, let's talk about Infamous Iron Man first. Yeah. So this is a one about Doctor Doom for some reason that has not been explained yet. He's going to try and be good now that Tony Stark is going, gone. He's going to take up the mantle of Iron Man. Even though like Tony Stark isn't gone because his flipping artificial intelligence is still there. <laughs> uh, but hot on Doctor Doom's heels is uh, a new agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Benjamin Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. Mm-hmm. Yancey's Street's Finest. That's right. Um, and he is, uh, you know, no one hates Doctor Doom more than The Thing. I get mm. that. But he is written so ridiculously over the top in this book and just yeah. he's just such a big old jerk. Like a straight up asshole. And I get that, like, <laughs> when you're writing a book about a bad guy trying to do good, you know, you, you will often give a d- different depiction of a good guy to kind of see it from the bad guy's perspective. Mm. Like, maybe the good guys aren't the good ones after all. But this is just like, it just felt really out of character for me. Yeah. Um, and 
that hurts in a time when we don't have a Fantastic Four book. Absolutely. Like, if I could handle, like, this kind of, like, oh, that doesn't really seem like the thing. Oh, well, I'll just stick to reading the Fantastic Four book. Yeah. This is the only book that the thing is 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 being written in. And annoyingly, like, you know, Bendis likes to play with his characters, that he's, his favourite characters across multiple books. So, he was, he was a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy for mm-hmm. a while, which Bendis wrote. I don't read that shit. No. It's like a gross <laughs> depiction of, of those characters that I just didn't gel, yeah. didn't gel with me at all. Um, this book, I don't see the point in it. No. And like, I've read both issues, but why is his face good again? And why are we like... Well, no, because at the end of Secret oh, Wars, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, like one of the things. Reed Richards, one of the few changes he made to the universe <laughs> when he rebuilt it is that... Um, made Doom hot again. Yeah. And... That was a really beautiful moment at the end of Secret Wars. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, now what's going to happen with it? Hopefully Hickman comes back and does a Doctor Doom book. Mm. But instead we get Doctor Doom kind of inserted in in Iron Man. He's not even an Iron Man villain. And now you have him taking over the mantle of Iron Man. So, like, whatever. Like, you know, you can still tell a good story with this, but... But he doesn't. This this should be the home run. Doctor Doom is, is one of... One of uh, Marvel's greatest characters. Yeah, and like the problem is like he, this this version of Doom isn't smart. He isn't charming. He isn't scary. He's not any of the things that we understand Doom to be. He's just kind of a bit rude. Yeah, and he's but he's you know he's, he's almost like a like a member of Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he's he's not writing a Doctor Doom comic. He's 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 putting Snape into the <laughs> into the Marvel universe and putting him in an Making Iron him Man hot. suit. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's like you know pining for a girl and and who um, shoots him? Yeah, and like it's just like you know there's like a, all this boring sorrow to it and like it's not cool. Doctor Doom is yeah. is cool. I think I think that this might be the fundamental problem with both of these books that we're going to talk about is that they're just kind of boring. Yeah. Like plot wise, I mean my my key problem with Bendis is that it it always feels like in his comics nothing happens. Like everyone just stands around and talks in various rooms. And then all of a sudden something will happen at the end. But it doesn't feel like there's a plot. It just feels like a bunch of stuff happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it just kind of, it just, it's heaps boring. Yeah. I don't like, you know. Like there's nothing about this book that makes me go like, oh, I want to see what happens next. I love the idea of Ben Grimm on like a, you know, like going on a chase to track down Doctor Doom across the globe. Like that's like a catch me if you can. But a Ben Grimm who like. That would be. That would be the best. (laughs) That would be so fun. But a version of Ben Grimm who like busts through the wall of someone's house when he doesn't know the person and it's not Victor Von Doom's house. Like that's an asshole version of Ben Grimm that. I don't want to read. Yeah, I don't get it. And also he calls Dr. Doom Doomsy. I know. Is that a thing? I think he gets like Ben Grimm's voice wrong as well. Like it's it goes too far into being like really cartoonish. Yeah, but like like you know a a, a loudmouth Jewish New Yorker. Yeah. That should be like the 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 stereotype that that Ben just nails. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, just this book I wish I wish it was better than this. And, yeah, you're right. He does seem to stretch out a small story idea across ten issues. Mm. You know, how Civil War Two is, is 80, oh eight, ten issues long is, is baffling. I can't believe we get a, we finally get issue seven next week. Oh God, I can't believe there's still, I'm still like, weirdly like, excited about it. four more issues to go. Then, then herein lies the problem in, 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 like, in, in liking Bendis, kind of, is, like, <laughs> I still read all this shit. Like, yeah, this is so confusing I, I don't get anything out of it, but, like, I really enjoy reading it. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what... Like, he's not a bad writer. 
just I I wish he had a protege that gave him ideas that he could or, or a co-writer. I think he would work so well with a co-writer. Yeah, absolutely. He needs someone to like rein him in conversation-wise. All his comics sell really well. So like I know. Yeah, the, the, the but that's because they put him on books that automatically sell really well. Did I Jessica, feel like he yeah, ran Guardians into the ground. And like is the only he reason he's been soon? given Jessica Jones is because it's like his thing, you know. Yeah, fuck and he's I'm, still I'm, in I'm, charge. So I heard someone say that, that that apparently that he's been put back on his book, so they have more stories to turn into episodes of Jessica Jones. I but, don't believe that. I don't want to believe that. But. And also, like this doesn't, this wouldn't be a story that would fit with the current, like unless they speed things up and they already have she and Luke having a child together. Like, yeah, I kind of wish that they just kept the universes separate. Like, even though that, that they made. Jessica Jones, her character fit back into the the regular Marvel mm. universe. I kind of just wish that he wrote a second season of Alias that just continues the themes of that book instead of making the Jessica Jones and the family she's she started. Because like I know that Jess Jones is is Bendis's creation. He should be able to do with her what Absolutely. he wants. But she's been part of the Marvel universe for ten years now. She has a family mm. with Luke Cage, which is being written perfectly in the Power Man and Iron Fist book. Yeah. And the consequences of of, of, of this new Jessica Jones book, it's going to fuck up the Power Man and Iron Fist book. Yeah, you got to assume Because right? he's like, he's... So what, what's happening in this is that there's been a, a, a domestic disturbance between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, which is just something I don't want to admit would ever happen. Yeah, and it's like... One thing I was confused about this was she... She committed a crime that landed her in prison. We haven't seen what that is yet, have no. we? No. Okay. Because we were all like, I don't remember that happening. There are a lot of stretches in this. So she's yeah. been to prison. Luke Cage has been violent to either her or her child or their child. Did you get that from this? I didn't. Well, I don't know. what. I, I'm not sure. And so Jessica Jones has hidden the child with her mother that she has, that her estranged mother that she hasn't been in contact with for the entirety of her publishing career. She's mm. made amends. Of with with this mother that we've never met before, and given her child to the mother to keep her away from Luke Cage, while all the Marvel heroes look for her and the child. Yeah, and like yeah, in the Mar- in the Alias universe, that's totally something that the Eternal fuck up Jessica Jones would maybe get herself involved with. But she's not that character anymore. Yeah. And just because the iteration of the character is popular in the Marvel Netflix series, which is really good, mm. you can't just return to that and undo all of these great stories and great kind of character attributes that have come to light in the last 10 years. Is yeah. This, is this me being upset at comics in general? Or, I don't know, I, I, I really don't like where this series is heading and I'm hoping that he's going to pull the rug out and it's all going to be like a Mysterio illusion or something like that. I think I think the key thing with this is just, again, that it's not very good. Like, if they <laughs> did a story about, you know, oh man, Jess went to prison and she and Luke are having some marriage problems and the baby's staying with her mom and stuff like that, that would be fine if it wasn't, like, 80% Jessica, like, halted, stilting internal monologue while she leaps across buildings. Like, it's so boring. Well, that's what Alias so was. Boring. That's what Alias was. Like, I, I think a lot of was people... Was that ever compelling? Because I haven't read it. I mean, I think it's it's a it's a problematic series to revisit. Yeah. Because it does end in her, like, getting her life together finally when she falls pregnant. Yeah, Which right, okay. It's a bit sus. I think I, f- I almost feel like this story is him trying to, like, take that back. Like, trying to be like, nah, she's still, like... Yeah, she's a she's fucking still dumb a mess. Mom. Yeah, exactly. She's still a terrible person, but now she has a baby to look after, like... Yeah, I, look, I really, Why really... does she have a flip phone? When is this set? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's like a burner phone. I don't know. Um, a lot of this doesn't make sense. 
And it's like classic Bendis where like nothing happens the entire comic. And then the last two pages are like, there's a villain and she gets smacked in the head and that's yeah, it. Yeah, like, like the spot, which I mean, last time when we saw him was in like, one of the early issues of Mark Wade's Daredevil. Um, and and he, was, he was really fun in those mm. issues. Now he just kind of appears out of nowhere and knocks Jessica out. I don't know. Does I don't he, like and this. kidnaps her? Yeah, he does. Yikes. Heavy. <laughs> um, I don't even... Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like... It's not for me. I think I'm. I think I'm done with both of those series, personally. The next, the next cover has a has a Hydra logo on Jessica Jones. Look at that, Hydra. Cool. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I just like I. I will be so angry if he breaks up their marriage and estranges th- their baby. Yeah, that would suck. That would be a shit move. Bendis. Because like I love how, what a great moral compass Luke Cage is in the Marvel universe. Now mm. it made the Civil War two tie-ins tolerable. Yeah. Because you side with Luke Cage, you, you, and you need a character like Cage, like Luke Cage, to be this, the moral high ground. Mm. You know, because he's he's got a family. He he doesn't want to do this superhero shit mm. anymore. They explored their their marriage problems through him still trying to be a superhero in Bendis's New Avengers pretty well. Yeah. Squirrel Girl was their babysitter. <laughs> that was, was really great. And now this is going to undo all that. I, I hope not. Anyway, I don't know. Look, if maybe jokes on me, and he's not doing that at all. But I really, do I think not the joke l- is on us for reading it. Good point. <laughs> Reborn issue two. This is by Mark Millar and I'm just uh, going to continue Capullo. being a negative Nancy forever, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> From negative Yancy to negative Nancy. What's your hot take on Reborn issue two, in which we find out what becomes of us in the afterlife? I just think this is so dumb. I think this is so dumb. I think it's such a bad idea. Why is everyone in heaven white? white? Why is she our, like, blonde saviour? Like, what is this nonsense? And why... Oh, God. Why, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if, if, if this is such a huge universe, the death universe or whatever the hell this is, and it's like the hell versus heaven in this stupid, like, sci-fi myth mythological world why why did she just happen to land in the same place as her dad and all these characters that she grew up with but then they're like oh we don't know where your mum or your husband are like i just i don't understand the rules of this universe i don't like any of the characters i don't like her i don't like the whole like oh you were just a school teacher in your life but you were so pure and holy that now in this life you get a big sword and you're gonna be our savior okay Malar cannot write women redeeming factor though it looks like her biggest enemy in this book is going to be the cat that when when it was nine months old she removed it she had she had it neutered basically. That is the like I love that. I hated that. <laughs> I thought that was so dumb. I think that's such a dumb idea. Do you understand? Women are castrating mis- masculinity, <laughs> and it needs to stop. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I get I get why this this book sucks, but yeah. I find it so fluffy and easy to read. That and and I just go, I just roll with it, and then go, huh? Fancy that? That looks that looks pretty good. Capullo <laughs> drew a cool mustache on her dad. Capullo, uh, if if we could have a book of just Capullo drawing cool dads, I would read the shit out of that. But this is just this is just fundamentally not for me in some weird way that I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah. But I just don't like it. I don't like. It. I feel like Malar like pushes his his ideas and his kind of politics in this really bizarre way through all of his works. And See, really, like I, I didn't I, I didn't get any. Yeah, like I know, I'm sure that's me reading into things that aren't really there. But I just don't, I don't like, (laughs) not like the vibe of his books. Yeah, I I love Starlight. Big on vibe, and I'm still waiting for one of his books to be as good as Starlight was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starlight for me is still like a perfect comic. You know, five issues and done. Yeah, beautiful art by um, Parlov. 
uh, yeah, buy that Mark Millar book instead of this one, maybe. Yeah, totally. I'm I mean, still going to I'm still Capullo's gonna read great. It. Capullo's the bomb. Yeah. But... You know, we were very excited about this one. We do were our very... boobs need to be that perky? <laughs> Crying out loud. I mean, th- this, is the, this is the heaven version of boobs. She was very good in her past life, so she gets perky boobs. She gets great tits in the afterlife. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. All right. Well, are you going to keep reading this one? No. I give up. If you I'm do want to buy issue two of Reborn, make sure you get the um, amazing car, Andrew's Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Cover, which I really liked. Featuring um, our now reborn hero uh, on her old old version's deathbed. Pretty cool stuff. Oh, that is cool. Um, the Electric Sublime issue two by IDW, written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Morazzo with Matt Lopez. Um, we loved issue one, and God knows we need Siobhan to talk about something in a positive light. <laughs> I loved this second issue, Siobhan. So good. Do you feel the same way? Yes. Oh, my God. I really enjoyed this. It's so fun. I love how many like weird art books, like art-based Comics are coming out at the moment. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, we, we we spoke about them last week. Mm. With um, what was that? I want I want to talk about it um later in the in the episode actually. Terminark. Terminark. Yeah, because I, I read that and it's so good. It's so great. Um, but the Electric Sublime is about a uh, like an art cult which is uh like murdering dozens of people around the world. You have a um a detective who's been put on the case and partnered with uh a an artist who's seemingly lost his mind but is able to transport the detective into the into his world and show her you know what all these different art movements mean and 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 how they can be a problem in the real world and uh within this weird art world his little wooden mannequin that lots of people use as like you know the basis of sketch is a seven foot tall like companion yeah uh, this is there's so many cool ideas on every page of this book and again, it's, you know, it's, it's it's out through IDW, who mm. have a very hit and miss ratio when it comes to creator own stuff. This is, for me, like immediately going to be like the top of my pile every time it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is like a really, really brilliant series. It's really fun. Really, um, like lots of like like art jokes and things like that. Like the character's name is Art Brute and stuff like that. Um, but it's super accessible. It's really funny. The colors are like amazing. It's like one of those great books that's just. Um, diverse without going on about it you know like just yeah. the the lead character is an african-american woman who's in a like lesbian interracial relationship brilliant they yeah. never even mention it it's just is and it's great um within this crazy world there are art tumors yes which are like a regular tumor like cancer but more creative <laughs> and uh he he the our main character kind of jumps into this art tumor's mouth um with his with his paintbrush and um, he, thinking that he can tackle it before it eats him, but he goes, you know, nothing. Did I not charge this thing? And then he bursts, like, after he, after he gets swallowed, the art tumor bursts in, a, in a, an explosion of paint. And then he, and, and our hero appears out of it and says, I'm fine. The safety was on, <laughs> on his paintbrush. And there's lots of just, like, weird gags that aren't really explained. It's just, like, these bizarre things. And Also, it seems like the villain is Andy Warhol. Yeah. Or at least looks like Andy Warhol, which is brilliant. And the... The cover for the next issue is so god so good. good. Speaking of Andy Warhol, yeah. Um, look, if if you even have like an entry level, um, you know, knowledge of art history and yeah, yeah, art yeah. fundamentals, this will be really for all the art references in this are so fun. And mm. also, if you just like crime comics that are that are a bit different, it's really really good. Yeah, totally. This Absolutely. is this is one of my favorite series of the year. I'm only two issues in. Very exciting crazy. stuff. 
Moonshine number two through Image. Did you read this one? I did. Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Riso, not two creators that you would usually put put in the group of uh, people who write kind of boring stories in which nothing happens in, in each issue. Mm. Uh, but uh, this is considerably more enjoyable than a Bendis book, uh, even though it does chug along at a snail's pace. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this is, but in a kind of nice way, like it's a very slow moving book, but that kind of suits the, like it's set sort of, I guess, in the South-ish. Yeah, in, in Prohibition era. Yeah. Um, it, it's, is it Virginia? It's it? No. Um, maybe. Uh, so basically, it, it's about, um, they're trying to get a, a hillbilly to give to sell his hooch to New York, and so mm-hmm. they've sent uh, the, mo- the mobsters have sent their, one of their men down to uh, to kind of talk with him, and uh, if he comes back to New York empty-handed, they'll kill him, mm-hmm. and if he stays too long in uh, in the South, he'll die because one, the guys who make the hooch are, are killers, and also they're werewolves. They're werewolves! Oh my god! The main thing I've taken from this is that Eduardo Rizzo draws the coolest werewolf of all time. You like his werewolves? I really like his werewolves. That's a scary werewolf. And he's just brilliant throughout this whole book. Like, it's so perfect in the, um, like, he suits the 20s so so perfectly um, in terms of his style. It's so, like, inky and dark and um, incredibly detailed. And, yeah, I love this. Yeah. he. Has, I mean, one of my favorite things about Eduardo Rizzo is that he is uh, use of shadow and, yeah. and, 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 and black. Very his, European. His images, yeah. Um, and especially when he like will silhouette someone's entire face and you can just see their eye in the middle of the blackness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he uses that to great effect a few times in this. Um, not sure if we're going to focus more on the werewolf stuff or the FBI investigation stuff or the crime mob stuff. Both, um, all are good. All, all, are good. The, all the elements are good. Um, it looks like there's going to be some, some family um, problems as well mm-hmm. that we're going to deal with as well. Someone gets their face bitten in half. So good um, by a werewolf, um, and it's there is still like a lot of you know vague, almost fantasy realm. You know you don't know what he's imagining and what he's you know having hallucinating. Yeah, in this, uh, but the werewolf like the werewolf reveal was really scary. I found that like genuinely shocking, and I was not, I was not expecting it. Yeah. So, uh, Moonshine, pretty good comic. Yeah, I like it. Like it a lot. Good I job. think when you know by issue five, we'll know well and truly where this comic is heading towards. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you go back and read Hundred Bullets, I would go as far to say as the first five issues of Hundred Bullets are not good, mm. and then it gets amazing. Um, potential controversial statement, but uh, mm. it's one of my favorite series of all time, and it took me so long to get into because those fir- that first trade is does, doesn't hook you on the premise at all. Yeah, right. So I'm I'm, hope- I'm expecting the same from this book. Mm. Hundred Bullets, of course, being the uh, series that Azarello and Risso wrote to begin with on Vertigo. I read the second issue of Kiss. You're so nuts. <laughs> I know, sure am. Because this book sucks. Um, apparently, Kiss have been in comics for 40 years now. Yeah. Um, so, good on you, Kiss. Um, hopefully, you get a good one written about you again soon. This is about a future society in which Kiss are like these weird guardian here. I don't know, whatever. Don't read this book. The end. <laughs> uh, Angel City, number two, through Oni Press. Did you read this one? I did. This is um, a... Uh, a kind of uh, you know femme fatale in the forties, mm-hmm. um, golden age of Hollywood, and, backstage, you know, Eddie Mannix, all that kind of female stuff. actors get murdered all the time. Yep. Um, in fact, they called them actresses then. Did you know? <laughs> um, uh, and uh, our hero is a um, is an actor herself, and um, she is, is has kind of started working with the underworld and, and has taken. After finding out what, what, that someone that she moved to or met in her very early days of Hollywood um, has, has died, she's taken it upon herself to find the killer. Um, and this introduces us to different facets of Hollywood at the time. Um, we see a serial being made, mm-hmm. and she kind of 
ends up accidentally acting in it uh, because she has a circus background. This sounds ridiculous, but it's actually a really fun book. It's so good. Written by um, Jeanette Harvey with Megan Levins. No relation. She spells it L-E-V-E-N-S. And she re- drew two books that we re- that we read this week. Hmm. Two issue twos. How exciting. Um, uh, I'd prefer the art in this book more than the other one. Um, it's uh, it, it suits the book really well. Um, really fun, fun, fun faces. Yeah, absolutely. Fun faces. Fun faces. No, like Andrew it's really, Lewis. it's it's sort of um, very cartoony and stylized. And I like, I think this is another book that does diversity in like quite a good way where it's not remarked upon, even though it might be a little bit incongruous for the time. Um, oh, no, they, 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 they do remark on it. Like there are just... They're, 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 I mean, more the Asian food. Oh, yeah, sure. There's a, there's a really, you know, a nice subtle nod where a black actress says, yeah. like, you know, the, to the blonde one, like, they're probably go for you more than they will me. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool book coming yeah. out through Only Press right now, Angel City. Absolutely. Pick it's it like up. a much, much more lighthearted version of The Fade Out. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so if you like The Fade Out, you'll probably enjoy this. <laughs> uh, Spell on Wheels is the other book with art by Megan Levins, um, written by Kate Leff, um, out through Dark Horse. This is the second issue of a book about a coven of witches uh, in their early 20s who... Um, one of their ex-boyfriends breaks into their house and steals a bunch of magic stuff and then sells it all on eBay. So they go on a road trip to track down all the magic artifacts. In the first issue, they uh, go to the first dude who they've tracked down and he's uh, an old artist who hasn't been able to be creative since the 90s. And uh, we found out that he's stolen an orb, which he intends to steal all the young people that that come to his parties uh, creativity with and so he can create again. Siobhan. Big fan? Mm, I want to like it. I want to like it. I don't. I think the story is good. The problem comes from the dialogue in which they almost... Like, the, 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 main, ca- the main bad guy in this, in this issue, um, the old guy, the old artist, is a bit of a creep. Yeah. And one character reacts, you know, understandably... At first, negatively. Maybe you should say this, so it's not the, the guy that- saying, "Why is this girl so upset?" <laughs> no, but I genuinely like. I found it crazy because immediately the main character is like, "This guy's a creep." When he hasn't even done anything really, like he called them ladies or something, and she was like, "Ugh, that's disgusting." He's an old man and he has a ponytail. Blah. I'm young. Like I just found it dumb. And then the whole way through, she's just really unappealing. She's like a really unappealing character. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Because yep. the whole time, everyone's having fun and she's sitting on the couch like, I want to go home. You guys are drinking. This sucks. And she's only able to save the day because she's the only one that didn't drink booze. Yeah, and there's almost there's this weird. weird yeah, I, don't, I don't know. That's if a weird like morality Maybe, maybe Kate Leth is anti-booze. I don't know. If she's uh, not, that's a weird message to be sending through her book. <laughs> and also, like... Nothing happens in this book because the result is, well, it was never going to do what you wanted it to do anyway, and you're a big idiot, and I'm smarter than you, and I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, there was no, like, nothing happened. Like, yeah, he drugged a bunch of people, but the the resolution was so unsatisfying. Like, I just, yeah. Are you going to continue? There's, no. there's three more issues after this limited series. No, I'm not going to read this. Because I don't, I don't want to be... My thing is, I feel like Kate Leth has a lot of talent and she has a lot of ideas, but she's just like, she's just starting out, you know? She's just, this is like so early in her career. She's the same age as me. She's 26. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that she will write incredible things. This, to me, feels just a little bit like juvenile. I don't really like the characters. Yeah, I just don't think it's for me. Sure. She uh, writes one of the most uh, 26-year-old characters focused issues of Hellcat this week as well. Did you read that? No. I think I maybe hate 26-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate young people. And so books like about young people, I'm like, oh, you're so annoying. Grow up. No, I, I quite like that issue, so we'll review it later on. Oh. Um, we've got one last I- second issue to talk about. Oh, I didn't read it because I didn't read the first one. Rivers of London, um, Black Mold, number two. This is a Titan book based on the Rivers of London novels, which I've never read before, but I quite like the first issue of this. Um, and this is more of the same. There's a uh, uh, kind of scary, um, sentient mold in London cool. that can like attack people and also make them face their their worst fears. Um, so there's a lot going on. It's pretty pretty entertaining. Um, the, our detectives again. It's another effortlessly diverse cast, mm. um, and uh, it's really really it, 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 it's it's a good good series. It actually, instead of making me want to continue reading. This series, it makes me want to read the Rivers of London novels. <laughs> that's, that's a good, like, want, that's a I, good selling point. Though. I want to learn more about this world before I continue reading adventures in it. Yeah, right. If absolutely. that makes any sense. So I, I really enjoyed this issue. Mm. Um, we met like they, they basically interviewed a bunch of different people who have been affected by the mold in this this apart in these block of apartments as they're trying to track down the origins of this sentient mold. Mm. It's, it's way more fun than it sounds. It's a really really cool detective book with supernatural elements. Um, that balances both of those things really well. But um, I actually think I'm going to pick up uh, Rivers of London uh, by Ben Aronovich. Nice. Well, that's a good result then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, a, a, a lot of people on our group, which you can join facebook.com slash uh, group slash serious issues podcast, recommend the novels to me. So I, I, maybe I will, when I feel like over this Christmas break, when the, when the comics come out a little, a little slower, mm-hmm. I might pick up one of these famous uh, books without pictures in them. I've, heard, I've never see, heard of See if I can thing. read them. <laughs> so those, that's, that's our first ever <sighs> uh, 
uh, segment second things of second. second things second. We could do a third things third, but that'd be silly. That'd be um, too far. If you liked that, if you liked us breaking up like that, let us know. Um, hmm. Serious issues at kingscomics.com is our email address, or you can uh, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. Of course, we're on Twitter too, twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues. And uh, we're on, on iTunes as well. If you want to just go direct and uh, leave us a comment on our iTunes page. Uh, just look up serious issues and in the review section, say what you like and what you don't like about the show, and we'll we'll take your your criticisms to heart and see how we can improve to make your serious issues experience all the better. And you know what makes everybody happy? <laughs> the beloved segment, flip a coin for DC or Marvel. Uh, Siobhan, what is DC this week? Has DC, DC is tails. Okay, so tails it is. Nice. Um, by the way, it's, that's the shiniest coin I've ever had. It's a 2015 edition $2 coin. Wow. Very rare to get a shiny coin. Huge. Huge so, day. Let's start with uh, all, the, all the people, uh, all the American, oh, all, like all the American no listeners are like, oh, what the hell? They, they can flip their $2? Imagine do, do they, when they flip a coin, do they flip a note? No, because they have other coins. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. Sorry. <laughs> um, DC. DC um, had some had f- I read five books this week through DC that were not issues one or two. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Oh, I guess I read four. Okay, four. good for you. Um, I'm going to start with Superman. Yay! Um, this is one of our favorite DC books coming out right now, um, and this one is basically the, the straight up setup for a, another DC book that we're going to get later on. This, I don't know if it's this year or early next year. It's called Super Sons, and is about the pairing of Damian Wayne, aka Robin, and uh, young John Kent, aka Superboy. Um, but before they start their group, their, their ultimate team up in their new book, uh, they have to go through boot camp. And who better to run this boot camp than Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, a.k.a. Batman and Superman. Uh, it'd be great if I got that wrong. A.k.a. <laughs> Wonder Woman and Aquaman. <laughs> uh, and this is a really, really funny issue about them kind of you know they're they're very different personality wise obviously damien is fiery and so sure of himself and Mm. you know kind of just a jerk (laughs) which i love a lot of people don't understand why we're still getting characters in which this young damien wayne is still such a little little jerk um but uh i love him (laughs) me too i think you need a jerk um, yeah totally a jerk on the side of good um and then you know john John Kent, of course, is like this ever optimistic, um, just sweetheart. desperate to do right by everyone. But yep. you know, you say the wrong thing to him, as Damien does frequently throughout this book, and he'll get you. He'll get you good. Um, he also has frost breath, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you have them put through all these different um, scenarios in which they need to work together to survive, uh, but they, they they can't seem to do so <laughs> until the very end when they're when it's their fathers who are in peril and they have to save them. Uh, I like this issue a lot. Yeah, it's just fun. It's who, just a fun issue. Who's writing Super Sons? I don't know. Let, me, let me do a Google. On the Google machine? Hmm. Uh, I sound like 100 when I say that. <laughs> um, I should also point out that every DC book this week came with a beautiful double spread, um, a little dedication to Steve Dillon with a nice spread of um, Preacher, Jesse from Preacher, with a with a line, it's been quite a party, ain't it? Um, I, I feel like Marvel should have done a similar tribute. Maybe they will in the future because I mean, he's actually still doing work at Marvel. On, on Punisher mm. um, I wonder who's going to do the Punisher artwork from now on but yeah Steve Dillon beautifully remembered in all of the books that came out through DC this, this week um, sorry I'm just trying to figure out Super who Sons. is writing it the it's, team up between it looks like um, Damien and John Kent it looks like it was by Chris Burns Dennis Culver and George Jimenez maybe so, oh yeah I know Jorge uh, Jorge Jimenez that's it yeah. um, that's the only, only one I know from that team yeah Dennis Culver sounds familiar yeah anyway that's good to see what that's 
Well, I kind of wish it was just Tomasi and Gleason doing yeah, it because they, bo- they they seem to have the best handle on both John Kent and Damian Wayne. I think it's just genuinely such a nice thing and something to be said for like ongoing superhero comics. Um, the like nice conversation that Batman and Superman have about being dads. Yeah, I love That's it. Cute. I'll That's cute. That's like what. a really nice development of those characters, and it makes sense rather than just having them be like single men in their thirties forever. Like, yeah. it's nice. It's nice that they're it's both dads. progress. Um, yep, absolutely. Real world progress. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to write that article about parenting and superhero. Oh yeah, you system. totally should. Um, Batman number eleven by Tom King with art by um, Michael Mich- Michael Jenin. Um, the last issue of this was a bit of a snoozer, um, hmm. in which we kind of saw two parallel stories. One of them being explaining why Catwoman killed a bunch of people and got put into Arkham Asylum. The other being. Uh, Batman willfully allowing Bane to break his back again, then like punching holes in a wall and unbreaking his back somehow. Just being fine. <laughs> but uh, now that now that they've done, they've assembled all of their their squad uh, to take over um, Bane. This is like a, a weird team up of um, the Ventriloquist and Catwoman and Punch and Julie, which are two characters that I'm not too familiar with. And it a looks bronze like Bronze Tiger and Bronze Tiger as well, who is a character that I am familiar with from uh, the initial run of Suicide Squad. Um, so they're all in, on 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 Bane's what is like island complex, whatever. They're breaking in to mm-hmm. to steal Psycho Pirate off Bane, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Catwoman is actually a, a straight up bad guy again. Yeah, like a, I like a, that. A proper villain. I feel like they've they've done enough. Like she's Batman's like you she's know Batman's girlfriend. Yeah, it's so dull. Now she's just going around slashing people's throats and throwing Batman under the bus. It's amazing. Yeah. So spoilers on this one, you know a couple pages into this I was like man Punch and Julie are annoying and I've not really read I any agreed. books of them before I reckon they might die in this issue let's hope so guess who kills them mm. Catwoman yay <laughs> she straight up slices their necks open in a really really horrific <laughs> moment um, in which she kind of just goes against everything that, that Batman kind of assembled them together for and Batman kind of just watches from the sidelines as she mm. kills everybody I don't know what's going to happen but uh, it ends with Catwoman saying I, I, I can tell you how to, you can finally break the bat to Bane uh, this is really cool. I have no idea what's going to happen next, and that's exactly how you should feel when reading Absolutely. a Absolutely. And Tom King book. writes um, such compelling Selena dialogue. Yes. Like, such a fun chase scene between her and Batman set in the past early on where it's very sort of back and forth, and um, I really like the conversation that she has with um, Ventriloquist and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just like, clever and just well-written, and uh, she seems like a well fleshed out character and I like that they're kind of they've gone way back into that kind of Audrey Hepburn style that um, what's his face sort of typified yeah definitely Brubaker run yeah absolutely um, yeah big big fan of this this, this run mm. so uh, looking forward to what happens next absolutely what else did you read this week Siobhan uh, I read Nightwing seeing as we're talking about Batman yep what did you think of issue 9 of Nightwing which was written by uh Regular writer Tim Seeley with fill-in artist um, someone Takara, um, Masio Takara. Um, I think that we have had more than enough comic books about people fighting in their dreams. Yes, and like I don't know, a really good one from Doctor Strange last last month. Mm, yeah, this was absolutely. not a really good one. No, and this is all kind of like I feel like the last couple of issues of Nightwing have been very like a lot of exposition trying to be like this is who Nightwing is <laughs> and like this is what you're really like deep in your soul but just way way too much and I don't find it that compelling like just to have him 
like have him have an adventure like enough of these fulfilling issues about what a great guy he is like let's actually see him do something or just maybe just don't double ship one month no one's going to be mad we're already reading way too many dc books yeah i don't understand who is like yes double shipping please no one needs to read two nightwing books a month no one i feel like we got got three in one month a couple months ago man so we had um we had queens of kings last night and which is um, uh the uh comic book group for women at king's comics uh on the first sunday of every month to be honest it's just a sunday every month (laughs) Look on our Facebook page to find out where. Which is? Um, uh, just look up Queens of Kings. I don't know what the actual URL is. Sorry. Um, unprofessional. Unprofessional. What is it? About? But we had we had um, Nicholas Scott um, came and chatted to us last night, which was absolutely unbelievable. And I said, like, what kind of... Uh, you Nicholas know, Scott you- is currently doing art on Wonder Woman. And, yes. Yes. Uh, has a many great DC runs as well. Yep, also does the art on Black Magic with Greg Rucker. Mm-hmm. But I said, um, what are there any projects that you would want to work on in the future? And she said that she and Gail Simone have wanted to do a Nightwing book together for ages. And I'm like, that would be so amazing. It would be like the cheekiest book of all time. And it would speaking be so of which, you, you, you worked something out last night. I think that Nicola might be the person who first like made it canon that Nightwing has a great butt because there was like a panel that she drew in I think it was Secret Six when she was like I'm just going all out and like storytelling she was like it went completely by the wayside I totally framed this whole double page spread around this back shot of Nightwing and I was like I'm pretty sure that was about the time when that started becoming a thing and now it's official like Nightwing has the best butt in comics I'm pretty sure Nicola did that so she just she just keeps giving you know the gift that keeps on giving. She's the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was not enough butt in this comic. Yeah, this this is not a good issue of Nightwing. Um, although th- it did give us a little bit of a tease that um, Bloodhaven, which is the place where the initial Nightwing series by Chuck Dixon was set, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, Nightwing moves away from Gotham, moves away from Batman, and uh, becomes a police officer by day and mm-hmm. Nightwing by night in a in a in a town even seedier than Gotham. Mm. Um, is that right? Was it, it was worse than Gotham, right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. Um, not so many super villains, but just sit, like you know, big just crime, crimes. gross, gross, grossness. Um, so it looks like he's that you know he, the New Fifty Two kind of wiped out his history in Bloodhaven, and it looks like it's back on the cards because the next issue is going to be set in Bloodhaven. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm down if they. I mean, <laughs> they pretty much just sent it back to exactly the way it was well, during the Chuck Dixon run. I'd be really into that. They're kind of having their cake and eating it too, which is a big thing that both the publishers are doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they kind of have Superman, you know, as he is now. So he's the one from before. Mm-hmm. And he remembers Nightwing as, as someone who lived in Bloodhaven. So he tells him about Bloodhaven and mm. says that that's the dick he remembers and that he's the, he's the least changed from the old universe. So I don't, I don't know if we need Superman telling Nightwing that, but no. like at, le- at least something semi-interesting happened in this otherwise pretty boring book. Yeah, I feel like this, like, but we could have gotten to that point in two panels yep. in the next issue. This felt just heaps unnecessary. Just quickly, another quite disappointing issue of a book that I'm not going to quite give up on yet was uh, issue three of Trinity, the Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman book um, written written and usually drawn by Francis Manipal. First disappointing moment uh, comes, the cover is... Uh, um, Martha and um, uh, what's his what's Thomas Thomas thank you I can always remember Martha because of Batman v Superman but not Thomas um, <laughs> Martha and Thomas Wayne dead in front of Batman again mm. pearls on the ground but Batman but Superman and Wonder Woman are either side of him on the cover I don't care about that his parents dying anymore no one cares I we know. get it Bruce they're dead I know you've gotten over it why do we need to keep like referencing it again and again uh, but uh, this one was actually not drawn by Francis Manipal which is a bummer yeah. it was uh, Clayman is that his name yeah, Clayman. Clayman. 
Um, Clayface. It was drawn by Clayface. It was drawn by Clayface. Uh, He's surprisingly talented. <laughs> uh, but this book um, was, uh, I guess we kind of, Poison Ivy has kind of taken over the three heroes and John, John Kent and they're hallucinating, I think is what's It's another happening. stupid like fighting in your dreams. It's boring. It's all it about who they are deep in their souls and no one cares anymore. The thing that I think is coolest is there's some like fun panel layouts and some like fun splash pages but and stuff like that. But it's not as good as when Francis Manipal does it. No. So yeah, no, this is a bit of a bummer of an issue. I kind of I, I like Poison Ivy, so hopefully we get to see them just fighting Poison Ivy. In the yeah, next that'd be issue. cool. It looks that'd like great. the next issue is going to be Lois fighting <laughs> fighting Poison that's, Ivy. That's appealing to me. Yeah, to that's honest. great. Yeah. Can she get the Batman mecha suit again? Oh, that'd be moon? great. That would be good. Except it's made out of trees. Oh no, but then Fred Poison Ivy would be able to control it. Yeah. Don't do that, Lois. Don't. Finally, Suicide Squad issue six. Still reading this for I some reason. I cannot believe you're still reading it. <laughs> it's like my guilty pleasure now. You're so weird. Um, uh, it's actually kind of come good. Yeah. Like the, the it's still like the worst thing about it is that it's just a twelve page story every issue, um, but in this um, something happens because of the they've captured Zod in this weird bubble and and something happens and all of the um, all of the all the members of Suicide Squad um, go insane right and so like Rick Flag is like trying to kill Amanda Waller and Amanda Waller is trying to kill Katana right and uh, guess who doesn't go insane. Why, it's Harley Quinn, who's already insane. That's so funny. But she goes sane again. I'm and so, so sassy no, today. I'm so sorry. I'm this is so actually really cool. <laughs> she like kind of like has an awakening mm. um, and uh, she cuts off the cu- cuts the colours out of her hair, ties her hair up, and she's uh, Harleen Quinzel again at the end of this issue. <laughs> but still in booty shorts. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't That'd know. That'd be I, awesome if she was like, no, I want to start practicing again, but I'd still like to wear my costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still want my big hammer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's silly, but I actually thought that was like, oh, that's actually an interesting thing to do with Harley Yeah, Quinn, that's funny. Which DC seems incapable of doing lately. So mm. I kind of like this issue. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, should, nice. you shouldn't read it, but it's, <laughs> I kind of liked it. And Jim Lee look- is still good at what Jim Lee does, you know? Yeah, I, I actually come to like his art in this too. So, uh, I don't know, Suicide Squad, weirdly You have re- like weird readable. Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> for Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, there are all the DC books we read this week. How about Marvel? Did you read many more of those? Yeah, I read a few. We got Black Panther, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Doctor Strange and Humans, Hellcat, Squirrel Girl and Captain America, Sam Wilson. Oh, yeah. Which of those should we start with? Uh, should we start with Captain America, Sam Wilson? Yeah, because I loved this issue. Yeah. How good was this issue? It so, was all about wrestling. Yeah, but I you think I love wrestling Yeah, now. we should have read the wrestling comic that I came know. out last week. I think uh, I should just start watching wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a step too far. So, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there, are, if there are actual real world wrestlers in this. I don't know anything about the, char- the actual wrestling characters in this. Um, Jim I from th- King's Comics is in front of me. He knows about wrestling and old Marvel characters. Um, Demolition Dunphy. Is he a real, real wrestler or a Marvel character? These are all Marvel characters who were, like, there was, like, a wrestling, like, circuit in Marvel comics that the thing was a part of. Right. Okay, they're all Marvel characters. Right, sweet. All right, well, I, I enjoyed this. Anyway, so uh, given how annoying Civil War Two has been, which I love it when the comics just admit how shit it's been. Yeah. Like, oh, it's been really bad lately. <laughs> <laughs> this idiot took over the universe and made us all fight. Um, uh, Sam Wilson decides to, to oh Falcon convinces Sam Wilson to have a night off and mm. he actually invites Rage as well who who is his cap has been having on, on uh, fighting with recently mm-hmm. the three of them go out for a night of wrestling to watch yeah. the wrestling and um there's this great moment in which the rest of them watching this guy demolition Dumphy realizes that the person he's going to be wrestling who is another character that I know nothing about uh Battlestar um 
the first time that he wrestled, like he was meant to go easy on him, and but he like he showed off in front of the crowd and you know played dirty and took him down in front of everyone for the glory. And now it looks like for his first you know big return to the ring, um, Battlestar's not going to take it easy on Demolition Dunphy, and that's start- exactly what starts to happen. But then it turns out. Um, you know, one of the old organizers of wrestling is is making off with all the money from this charity wrestling match, and uh, the wrestlers decide to take them out, team up, and take them out instead. And the crowd cheers, and Sam Wilson's like, "Oh, isn't it great that we can all come together for something we love? Wrestling, wrestling, <laughs> grown men in tights punching each other in the face." I mean, that is kind of superhero comics. And, and like, you know, I love like, that like this comic had nothing to do with Captain America and everything to do with wrestling, and it was definitely. So good. But I mean, look at the compare this to Nightwing, which was a filler issue. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'd rather sucked. have this kind of filler. With, this is an absolute filler issue that ruled. Like yeah. this is like Nick Spencer just thinking of something that he likes and kind of putting it into the into the the, wor- the world that he's writing at the moment. Makes doing... so much sense that he likes wrestling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. One thing, this Falcon has weird eyes. I don't think I like this character design. Like, he has sort of, like, his entire eyeball is red and sort of curved he is and a shiny. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it, it, I wish he wore glasses. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. I'll pass it on. Thank you. <laughs> Black Panther number eight by Ta-Nehisi Coates with art by Chris Sprouse. Such a cool cover this week. Great cover. Reminded there were me lots of, of really good covers this week. Yeah, I, I know. It. This reminds me of, like, um... Who did all those amazing covers for the Mark Wade, um, Chris Emney Daredevil run? Because those were like unbelievable. Was it? Um, uh, he's done heaps of good stuff. He did the the um, Immortal Iron Fist run with Matt Fraction. David Ayer. David was it David Ayer? Maybe I, so. I can't remember. Um, Either way, they were amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Black Panther number eight. We say goodbye to the crew. The team made up of uh, Misty Knight and Luke Cage and Manifold Storm. And surprisingly, that's actually the most awkward part of this issue. Mm. The rest of it deals with Manifold and um, Black Panther uh, teleporting themselves to the world of the dead to rescue Shuri, who is uh, Black Panther's sister. (coughs) Of course, we get the obligatory old African parable story uh, told over the course of of, of like four pages. I really, I wish there were less of those. I get that like it's important. They're almost like adding like a... Uh, authentic side of kind of culture to these books. Yeah. But I, 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 they, they finish and I'm like, I don't really retain anything that happened in them. It's just, yeah. Do you like them? I do. I like it. I like it as an element um, to the book. I find them always sort of interesting and I think it, it fleshes out the world a bit more, you know, in an yeah. interesting way. My, so my criticism of them was that there's already enough going on in these yeah, books, true. enough characters and stories being balanced that to have like a, you know, like this like story within a story weird fable being told uh, f- over three or four pages is kind of like, okay, get, come on, just get me back to the eight stories you're balancing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I really like this issue and um, I think it's awesome to have Shuri back and uh, we don't know if she's... I mean, she exactly looks like she's a she bit was before. like her, her, the costume that she has returned from the sort of world of the dead in is very like Dora Mill... What are they called? Dora Miljay or whatever? Dora Miljay. the Explorer. Yeah, very Dora the Explorer. She's got a little backpack. No. <laughs> um, like the sort of female warriors in this universe. So that could mean something. Um, I I'd, also, read a, I'd read a Dora the Explorer comic. This is a side note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My son, Archie, has been like pounding through like seven, it's, it's series seven on Stan. Oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've never watched Dora before. Dora's good. Yeah. It's a good show, man. Ah, good to know. Yeah, yeah. I will not be watching it. <laughs> There's a map in it. There's a backpack. They both talk. She speaks Spanish. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I also really like, I like any comic that Manifold is in. More Manifold, Yeah, me too, please. I was going to say. And, and, he, and like, they give him a bit of depth. I, I, I really, I love that he's a Man. character in this, but like, he, so yeah. I was just going to say, you know what would be amazing if they actually got an Indigenous Australian writer? Like, 
call up Marvel should call up Ryan Griffin right now. Who's and doing um who does Clever Man the for the ABC. ABC yeah. Um because how how sick would that be? Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um and I think I feel like you know they they they, they should try and connect with uh like the the black Australian community. Yeah. Like uh, they this is a, it's he's like one of the few characters that has been, you know, th- that is an indigenous Australian that's actually been written well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually still exists and, a couple and, of years yeah, after his totally. creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Grant Morrison had a really good one in, in one of the Australia, the the Batman of Australia was really, except there was a ridiculous boomerang thing, but it was kind of funny. But yeah, yeah, it was yeah. It borderline offensive, but not, uh, it's not my call to make. Manifold's great, is what Manifold's we're trying to say. Great. Yeah. And uh, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that I stuck through um, yeah. with this run. It is a, it's a really good run of Black Panther. And Absolutely. Black Panther's acting like the Black Panther I know and love again. Nice. He needed a victory. He's had that victory. Yeah. And now his sister's back. So two victories. All wins. Everything's coming up to Charla. <laughs> I don't know if that'll catch on. <laughs> <laughs> um, all new Wolverine at number 14 uh, by Tom Taylor with art by Nick Varela. Not usually, not as good as what this book normally looks like, but still pretty good. Hmm. Um so this is uh, a, a tragic tale mm. because someone's used the, tra- the trigger scent on uh, on Laura and she's taken out an entire town. Heavy. And now S.H.I.E.L.D. have come to pick her up. But as soon as she realizes that the uh, the terrorists who released the trigger scent were from Madri- Madripoor and that S.H.I.E.L.D. Are refused to go to Madripoor to track them down, uh, X-23 escapes, Wolverine escapes and uh, finds Gabby and the two of them uh, are on a mission to track down the people who who basically made Laura kill this entire town. Which we assume is the woman who trained her, um, who also has another X-23 with a scary cross over her face. Amazing. I've read the initial X-23 series, and I'm pretty sure this character was in it. This is a big re- redesign. Uh, even even says I like it. David I like Lopez did this redesign. Um, and I can't, I can't really remember who this character is or whatever, but it's not important. You yeah. just know. It's like, you can only see half this character's face. Nice. She must be evil. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is this is this this book has gotten really great immediately after as soon as it stopped having to tie into Civil War Two. It's so again. weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when like you get so worried when they when they have to tie into a big event and they don't regain that momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one it definitely has. I reckon that he had this story ready to go like, as soon as that, that yeah, crossover totally. was done. Pump it out. Yep. Good. Good issue. Enemy, Enemy of the State number two, uh, issue fourteen. Very good fun. Doctor um, Strange had a fourteenth issue this week, so we could have done a segment called Fourteenth Things Fourteenth. <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> and, and I loved this issue. Yeah, heaps fun. I love this, um, I forget what her name is, the... the Satana. Satana, yeah, Satan's daughter. Yep. So good. So, um, I mean, like, it... It's a regular kind of plot where all of the all of the villains of a particular hero attack them issue after issue in like a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. In fact, Spider Man did it and called it the gauntlet. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I'm not that familiar with all of Doctor Strange's villains, um, and it's really really fun kind of seeing them one after the other. We had Nightmare last issue, and Doctor Strange escaped that world only to find himself in Hell. But it's a new version of Hell run by Satan's daughter, and she's kind of turned it into like a almost like a reality TV show in which you pay a high price to, uh, you know, eat these exotic foods and, and party with dead rock stars. And basically the argument is that, that hell is more fun than heaven. Um, but she wants Dr. Strange to be this, her hell's main attraction. And so he wants, she wants his soul to kind of perform, perform magic tricks. Yeah. In, in her hell for all to, for all to watch. And, uh, he escapes her grasp in a really fun and ridiculous way. And, it, like, so disgusting. Like, it really, really suits Chris Pacello's art because definitely. this is so, like, 
icky and detailed and bizarre and yeah, so, yeah she, she Satana forces uh, forces um, uh, Doctor Strange to eat this cursed bacon. Yep, and the bacon will basically like cause his body to deteriorate, and then his soul will be hers mm. by the, by the time it digests through his body. So, in order to get it out of his system, uh, Doctor Strange shrinks his astral plane form and then goes into his own body to exercise this hell bacon. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> so great. Also because his astral form is naked for no reason but all the naked time. Naked and black and white. Naked and black and white. And there's just like a little like censored bar over his butt the whole time. So. Yeah. It's so great. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's, this is almost like a one and done. Yeah. 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 But that, I kind of love that. I love that this is just like a, here's a bad guy. Here's an adventure. It's so self-contained in so one great. issue and, and then it's done. And it's in stark contrast to what Jason Aaron is doing with Thor at the moment, which is yeah. a big, long, ongoing epic. Um, it looks like the next villain is going to be... Uh, the Orb, who is a character that Jason Aaron kind of recreated during his Ghost Rider run mm-hmm. and then ended up being a, a main player in the original Sin um, mm-hmm. series that he did. I really like the Orb. He's just a giant eye in an evil Knievel <laughs> onesie. So cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, in, in this one, he's a taxi driver with Doctor Strange in the passenger seat. So who knows what's happening next? Hopefully a weird evil Knievel-esque story with with a big loop. <laughs> Also, I love so. the uh, the next the next cover. Yeah, uh, by Kevin Nallen. Super awesome, great series. Really good. Again, really one fun. one that I didn't love when it started, and, mm. and it's now one of my favorite books. Yeah, I feel like the last this story arc specifically has been so much more fun than all of the empirical stuff. That I really really like this. Just a few Marvel titles to go: Uncanny and Humans number fifteen uh, by uh, Charles Sewell with um, R. B. Silver and and Adriano Di Benedetto on um, art. Uh, this one has probably my favorite cover of the week. It has um, Black Bolt singing at his nightclub and, you know, sending a, a shockwave that, that shatters the microphone as he sings into it. Really great image. But mm. unfortunately, there's no Black, no Bolt, Black Bolt in, in this, this comic. goddamn comic. Um, instead, we get some weird story about that police guy, Frank, Frank McGee, um, and him trying to, like, uh, stop the daughters of some other in here. It's basically like it's a it's a follow on story from something that happened in Charles Soule's original run of mm. Inhumans that I didn't read. Yeah, I don't. It's still but, it's an okay story. It's fine. It's it's something. It involves that blind guy reader reading a book that brings back their mother to life. Yeah, um, I don't know. That's kind of fun. I guess it's, it was fine. But like, what a what a jerky bait and switch to have such a great cover and promise like a fun black bolt club adventure and to get something about these Inhumans that we just know nothing it's about and The weirdest about. thing about the Inhumans books is that Black Bolt is like just the best character that the Inhumans have and yeah. it's not in any of these books. I get he's a hard character to write because he can't talk without exploding everybody, but I feel like he was done really, really well in like the Fantastic Four run when Hickman had the Inhuman stuff in it. He was done really well in all of Hickman's new Avengers and Avengers run. Yeah. Um, and Infinity and stuff like that, but that is, I don't know. He he should be like the the point of focus in all of these issues, and he just isn't. Mm. Yeah, it sucks. Um, Sorry. <laughs> ho- hopefully, he plays a, a big role in in Humans vs X Men, I guess. But also, I don't even want to read that, so maybe not. Yeah. Uh, make Black Bolt in the Inhumans again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make the Inhumans interesting again. <laughs> did you read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl this week? I sure did. Another fourteenth issue by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, one of our favorite books of the year. And in fact, you'll be able to vote for this in our favorite books of the year. Uh, this time next week, we're going to be putting up our voting list for the best best books, best creators, best publishers of the year, and we'll be announcing a big party that Siobhan and I are organizing. Yes. On next issue, so uh, next episode of this, so stay tuned. Uh, this issue brought to close the 
um, weird story about the guy who could multiply and split into heaps of different versions of himself who was taking over the world. Yeah. Um, it was I don't feel like this has been the strongest Squirrel Girl arc, but it's still fun. It ended really well, I thought. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it kind of... You know, this is these 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 comics take so long to read, and normally yeah. that annoys me. But I love every every really carefully laid out physics joke and yep. funny gag that they put in this book. Um, Everything just, that Brain Drain says. <laughs> yeah, Brain Drain is a great character. Yeah, this is great. Just great. Just if great. you already love Squirrel Girl, like we don't need we don't need to tell you anymore. Normally, we kind of get a hint of what's happening next, but we don't. I have no idea what's happening in issue fifteen of Squirrel Girl. Yeah, this fully like finishes there's no like indication of what's coming next oh so. wait the next issue has mew in it which is um uh, what's nancy's her name cat. nancy's cat that's right mm. great series you should be reading squirrel girl it's lots of fun um i imagine the trades like if you buy one of a trade it'll take you like two hours to read yeah 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 which totally. is great yeah amazing the uh the graphic novel too which we loved that, that's a, that's a nice big chunky read too good good for a long flight yeah absolutely pour over and then go read it again just for the gags mm. Um, did you read Amazing Spider-Man this week? Nope. Yeah, um, well, whatever. You didn't really need to. I got like a 9.9 rating on the IGN comics thing, and then I realized it was a typo. But after, because I, I read it, I was like, this wasn't a 9.9 <laughs> comic. Why did I read this? Um, I'm not really reading Spider-Man at the moment, but I thought because it was tying into Clone Conspiracy, I'd read it. It kind of gave the point of view of Scarlet Spider, Kane, the original clone. Oh, yeah. Um, and he should be the protagonist of Clone Conspiracy, not mm. not old mate Peter Parker. Mm. I'm really hoping that it looks like the um, clone conspiracy is just going to end Parker Industries. Oh, that's good. So that might be a positive thing. I think oh, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be the, the death of Parker Industries. Will he go back to being a photographer? That's know. the best version of Spider-Man, right? That's the best Spider-Man job. Yeah. From, like school teacher, photographer, businessman. <laughs> I think photographer wins. And finally Spider-Man. And finally Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I also read Hellcat number 12 by Kate Leth and uh, Brittany Williams on art. Um and Brittany this, Williams is so great. She's so great. And Jubilee is kind of on Hellcat's team now, which is really great. Mm. And she has like this hilarious like vampire ghost form oh, that yeah. she always takes, um, which is really, really cute. Um, but Black Cat has a, uh, a team of black cats that are going up against Hellcat and her crew in this. It's really fun. I really like this book. Um, it deals with uh, a breakup of a character um, but it's done in a really okay, but, fun way. But don't like. I feel like every single Kate Leth book is about a breakup. She's so obsessed with breakups. She's twenty six. Yeah, but like I broke up three times when I was twenty six. <laughs> that was the last year I broke up with people. For actually, no, I think I, I'm twenty four. Yeah. I was thinking twenty four. Um, yeah, I haven't broken up with anyone. Man, but look at look at Jubilee's astral form. Yeah, like, cute like ghost form. She's like, oh man, that is cute. A Brittany puffy Williams. pink glo- ghost with wearing sunglasses. She looks like ghastly. Awesome. So great. <laughs> uh, I like this book. I know it's not your, your cup of tea, but uh, I think Hellcat's a lot of fun. Um, and I really, I'm just really happy that something so fun and different exists at Marvel. Yeah, totally. Cool. So those are nice the Marvel books. Those are the Marvel books. Um, before we get into all of the Image and uh, Archie books and Boom books that we read this week, I thought that we should talk about, uh, this is a segment called Last Things Last, because <laughs> there are a few final issues of some series that we've been reading. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one was the Sherlock book, mm-hmm. um, A Study in Pink, which is the manga based on the first series of Sherlock. Um, it ended. It was really good. It began really good. It was good in the middle, and it was mm-hmm. good at the end. Just continued to be excellent the whole way through. I want to read a manga by Jay that isn't Sherlock. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Oh, you got the really good cover, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heaps of good cover. 
That was such a good cover. The, the, the variants on this are generally... They do one that's like a straight-up photo of the characters from the Sherlock show, which I never want. Mm. Uh, but the, uh, then they always get like a, a pretty decent, fun artist like Antonio Fuso, who did the one that you, you've got. Good, good manga, manga version of Benedict Cumberbatch is way more fun than regular Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, he should have been. He's got Dr. the pointiest Strange. face. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. So do you remember the first, the first episode of... Is this the first episode of the whole first series is a manga? I think this is just the first episode. Yeah, right. Um, because they're quite long episodes. Yeah, they're almost like movie length. Huh? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is just like this is just the first story of Study in Pink, and it's heaps fun. Really, just well told. Genuinely brings something new to it, so that even if you have watched and loved the Sherlock series as I have, um, you'll still get heaps from this. It's so fun. Yeah, and uh, not only does it make me want to track down more books by Jay, who did, was the artist on this, mm-hmm. it also makes me want to actually watch the Sherlock series. Yeah, totally. Sherlock's fun. Cool. I'll watch it at some point in the life that I have heaps of spare time in. <laughs> um, I read finished two two series that I know you don't read, Shimon, so I'll keep nice. it quick. Kaiju Max Season 2 by Xander Cannon, which is the Godzilla super prison um, ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second season was not set at the super prison at all. Um, dealt with uh, one of the characters trying to return home to his family, and uh, then one of like the the cops falling in love with one of the robots um it ends in a suitably tragic manner um and definitely sets up a interesting status quo for the beginning of season three this is a really really fun book with a great Mm -hmm. letters section um and uh just beautifully Alexander cannon does everything on this book the inks the colors the lettering um he actually does lettering on quite a few other books too but uh yeah this is kajimax is when it's really well collected in trade. The trades are beautiful too. So um, if you're looking for a really fun monster comic, Kaiju Max is definitely it. Nice. Um, I also finished Jackboot and Iron Heel, um, which is again another book that's written and drawn by uh, Max Milgate. Um, this is a book about a uh, set in World War II. Um, a would would be soccer star gets enlisted in, into the war and ends up fighting Nazis and also monsters at the same time. This book would definitely fit well in the Mignolaverse. It looks quite reminiscent of uh, Mike Mignola's artwork and the story ends up on quite a kind of subtle somber note that uh, Mignola is very fond of ending his stories in a similar way um, if you are if you are missing Mike Mignola comics um, this is definitely a good one to track down Jackboot and Iron Heel it's unlike many comics I've read before a, a, a soccer World War 2 monster comic but it was drawn very, really well and the, the story was fun yeah it sounds kind of genius um, cool should we start with Image now uh, yeah well, might as well go for it so we start with Hadrian's Wall. We've got sure issue thing. three of Hadrian's Wall by um, was it Carl Higgins and Alex Siegel do the story with Rod Reese on art, who just started following me on Twitter. Ooh, fun. <laughs> I'm never on Twitter. <laughs> um, so this is the this is the space space murder mystery, I guess. A man whose um, ex-wife's new partner has just been killed while he was on a spacewalk and he's up there to investigate and people are making his investigation difficult for yeah. him. And it seems like he was only sent there to kind of, because they thought, you know, he's like now this like, you know, painkiller addicted mm. nobody and they thought sending him up here, he would just do it for the money, you know, write it off as like, you know, not suspicious and then come back home and get his money. Mm. But instead, he's tr- he's trying to get to the bottom of this crime be- and, and he's doing it without painkillers because someone flushed them all down the sink. And uh, he suspects everyone on the space station and no one is helping him with his investigations. It's a really good book. It looks great. Yeah. It looks unlike any book on the stands right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a cool, weird, like, um, muted sci-fi universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems very, like, near future while still being obviously really advanced because they're able to, you know, live in space. Um, but such an interesting color palette and Rod Reese is a really interesting artist. He does sort of... Do- it's almost like... 
like borderline photorealistic, but then kind of painted over it or something. I don't yeah. really. I wonder what his kind of process is, but it's it's really cool. Really cool. Um, this is a great book. You should be reading it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best image titles to to have started this year. Yep. <laughs> um, Kill or be killed. Issue number four. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Elizabeth Breitweiser. It's an award-winning team. They're the best, and this issue, I think, was the strongest issue of this comic yet. Yeah, totally. I um, love this. I love this comic. I think it's so good. It was the least action-packed. Yeah. Um, it dealt more with kind of the motivations of our main character and, uh, you know, the, the the trouble that comes with trying to track down someone that's worthy of being murdered yeah. to uh, please the demon that's given made him a deal on his life. Um and even just, like, the realities of trying to be a vigilante because if you leave the house at, like, two in the morning, two nights in a row, your roommate's going to be like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, um, so clever. Like, so, I, I really feel like this is almost, like, like, I just feel like Brubaker gets better and better. Yeah, it, it really does. And, he, and the weird self-referential narration in this mm. where, like, things play out the way you expect them to and he's like, that didn't happen. How racist. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just great moments like that. Um, or when you realise that all of a sudden you're in something that he's thinking about as opposed to what's happening now. Yeah. It's just very clever. Excellent. This is a another excellent series you should be reading. I know I wasn't super keen on the last two issues, but mm. I'm still going to read every issue, and this one in particular was a great one. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's genius. Um, I also read Invincible number 131, which is the prelude to the story that is going to be the final Invincible story ever. Wow. Um, and uh, unfortunately... It looks like the 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 main our, our our hero and his family, including his young daughter, are being targeted by uh, long-standing bad guys in this series. And I really hope everyone is not going to die. Um, <laughs> Chew, which is another series uh, Image has been doing for a long time, has its sixtieth and final issue this week. Um, and they've taken the route of killing off all of the main characters <laughs> one by one. And I really hope this doesn't. They can kill everyone else except this 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 main fan. I love I just love families. I, I'm, I'm in one, and I don't want to see families get killed. Is that too much to ask? You're like I don't like divorce. I don't like families breaking up. I don't like. <laughs> so I think this is the, this is the last um, issue that Corey Walker, who was the original um, Invincible artist uh, before Ryan Otley took over, this is the last issue that Corey Walker is going. So I think Ryan Otley is back next issue. It still looks fantastic. Colors are great. I'm going to be very sad when this book goes, and I hope it goes out in a blaze of glory, but mm. not a blaze that takes out a family. <laughs> Archie Comics, number 14, by Mark Wade, with art by Joe Eisma, featuring the one and only Cheryl Blossom and the adventures that Veronica has while in an all-girls school alongside Cheryl Blossom. Um, here we see uh, something that's been missing from this series, which is a truly bitchy Veronica come out. Yeah. Solely so she can go up against uh, Cheryl Blossom and emerge as the more victorious bad girl. Yeah, this is more like the um, Veronica that we see in the Betty and Veronica comic. Yeah. What did you think of this issue? Which also involved um, Archie becoming more like Jughead. Yeah. And Jughead realizing that he has to save Archie from himself. I think my big problem with this issue is that I... I'm not a huge Joe Eisma fan. I didn't really like Morning Glories. Um, I think probably quite a bit to do with his art. Mm. Um, and I feel like this, you just lose a lot of the charm. Like it, he doesn't have that same sophistication in terms of doing uh, like physical comedy or like selling the gags. It's funny you use the word charm because Derek Charm is doing yes. the art over on Jughead at the moment and he did the best variant of, uh, of Archie this yeah, week. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And he's... he's Perfect. Yeah, totally. He's perfect for this Archie world. Joe Eisma is capable, but my least favorite artist on this uh, Archie run so far. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, um, but other than that, it was a, it was you know the series continues to be good. Here's my problem. I love Jughead now so much that yeah. I just want that book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so while this was good, and while this is still one of my favorite books, it's not as good as Ryan North on Jughead. Yeah, absolutely. It's also confusing because this is the Archie comic, and in it we're getting like a Veronica story and a Jughead story, and it's not like I really like the the issues that he does where it's more told from Archie's perspective, and I feel like we don't actually get that much Archie in this. We get Archie as Jughead for a yeah, while. It's pretty fun. I guess. Like he he gets covered in tar for some reason, yeah, and that yeah. makes his hair look like Jughead's crown. <laughs> pretty great. Um, I like. I also like. You know, Archie tries to eat like Jughead for one one hour, and then passes out and goes into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's still really good. Um, over to Dark Horse right now for a couple books that we read. Um, some of our favorite books coming out at the moment, actually. Mm. It's a good, good era of Dark Horse. Yeah, it really is. Um, Briggsland uh, is uh, the book by Brian Wood and Mac Chater that we've loved since the first issue. This mm-hmm. is the fourth issue, and I think the strongest one so far. Um, this is actually the first issue of a new arc. The first three issues were, were its own arc. Mm-hmm. And this one we see, yeah, the uh, the Briggs family, who are they... Uh, they like live on a hundred square miles in rural America, um, in in land that they own and control. So it's like a, a an anti government community, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the wife, the, the of the Briggs family, um, her, her her husband is in jail, and she's trying to return Briggs family away from it's kind of like terrorist and anti you know, quite racist and crime-based roots and turn it into, like, an actually good community. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be hard to do that when her eldest son, who also is the bookkeeper, is a white supremacist with a white power tattoo on his back and uh, yep. he kills dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Horrible. This is a really heavy issue. Um, but great. So, so good. I'm excited to see this. Like, I feel like I say this so rarely because I think comics are the best medium of all time. But um, I'm excited to see the TV show of this. Yeah, me too. Um, Once it gets made. The themes of it are, are amazing and, you know, it's, it is... it is. It's very timely. Exactly. You know, the, the white supremacy is bigger than it's been in a long while in America mm. right now. And it this can be a bit of a difficult read. You know, even just seeing a swastika in a comic is a bit, quite an alarming kind of thing yeah, to absolutely. see. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not used lightly in the, in this comic, you know. Like, no. And... Uh, it doesn't really try to kind of paint the picture of, of this guy in a, in a nice light. He's just a straight up fuckwit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, someone that's going to cause problems for the main story for sure. Another cool thing is that in the back of this issue, you get a preview of Dead Inside, which is a new series by John Arcudi and Tony Fezula. Fezula. That's a good name. Um, this just looks crazy. Like, John Arcudi is such a good, like, horrible kind of crime yeah. writer. Um and the art on this is phenomenal. I'm yeah. so excited to read this book. Really disturbing images. There's a, lo- a, 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 a close-up of an eye and the, mm. the reflection of all the blood mm. spilling from the victim is reflecting on the eye. It looks really great. Yep, amazing. Look Like literally bloodshot, but it's not the eyes being bloodshot. It's someone else's blood. Good fun. So good. Speaking <coughs> of blood, did you read Lady Killer? I sure did. Lady Killer <laughs> number three by Joelle Jones and Michelle Madsen. God, this is one of the best looking books when it comes out. I know, Her it's art unbelievable. Is so fantastic. She's so brilliant. Um, Where has I she still, been all I still life? haven't read Lady Killer, um, the, the, yeah, first, the first series, but Lady Killer 2, which is the season I'm reading right now, it still stands up on its own. This is the, uh, we're at the halfway point of this mini series, and uh, it involves a, like a you know, classic 1950s housewife mm-hmm. who is also a serial killer. Mm. Or um, assassin. Isn't she assassin. more of an assassin than yes, a serial sorry, killer? Yes, sorry, you're about, yeah, you're right. She, she, well, yeah. 
she she gets paid for it. <laughs> she seems to enjoy her work, though. <laughs> she gets paid in cereal, though. It's very weird. Um, yeah, it's kind of we we learn the weird Nazi connections of her mother. Yeah, well, that her mother-in-law. Out, well, yeah, is it? I think it's supposed to be her mother-in-law. Um, and uh, this partner that she's been working with is uh, a lot worse than she seems, and she he already seems like a pretty horrible guy. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if, if, if what we've learned about him is true or not, but uh, the final panel is a pretty alarming panel. Um, it's going to have bad ramifications for our heroes. I guess she's a hero. Yeah. The main character's life in the future. Uh, this is a good. This is a good book. Yeah, really it's really book. fun. Joel Jones is such a flippin' talent. Such an amazing cartoon and a great writer too. Yeah, great writer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Black Hammer number five is the last Dark Horse book that I read this week um, by Jeff Lemire and Dean Ornston um, with Dave Stewart on colors. This is such a good, it's good such series. Such a good book. Oh my god, I wish it was the only thing that Jeff Lemire was writing. I mean, like the fact that I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to read a perfect comic like this and then yeah. a bunch of less than and perfect five books. terrible ones. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Oh, they're not terrible. That was mean to me. Um, the five average ones. Yeah, this is so so brilliant. Dean Ormston is amazing, and I love like sometimes the issue, sometimes the issues that don't sort of push the plot along, but are more kind of. Character learning about the different characters mm. can be a little bit boring and exhausting. Like I sort of got really tired of all the sex criminals issues like that. Well, even another Lemire book, Descender, is doing yeah. that a lot as well. I like that, but I see what you mean. But he it's, does it. He does it so brilliantly in this issue. Like in this, we find the history of um, this Colonel sort of Weird. Colonel Weird, and he's very weird, guys. He's the he, spaceman version of Doctor Strange, and he can sort of go in between dimensions. And there's such a devastating bit with his wife, which is. Or his girlfriend that's just really, yeah, really sad. Like, this is such a tragic book. Yeah, it's absolutely. So brilliant. Like, that's the main feeling Lemire you get from it. Lemire is excellent at tragedy. Yeah, he really is. Um, similar to uh, Matt Kent, um, which is why they, they work so well together when they do. It's such uh, beautiful art. Yeah, so good. It's, it's, a, it's a real real bummer of a story, but um, this, is a, this is a particularly great, great look at one of the weirder characters mm. in this. And then the, the last character that we don't know is the... Um, I guess like the horror, the witch. Yeah. Um, and it looks like the next issue is going to be all about her. This is, I can't recommend this book enough. No. Um, again, it's going to be, uh, it's definitely one of the best series of the year. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 in, yeah. With my faves. I'm, we're gonna definitely going to put up a list of 10 of the best, or if, what we think are the best series of the year. Mm. Uh, write to us if, uh, if you want to uh, nominate some, or best way to do that is to join our Facebook group, group mm-hmm. which is facebook.com slash groups, that's serious issues podcast. Join the conversation, y'all. So nice chatting to you guys. It is. Uh, so yeah, Black Panther continues, sorry, Black Hammer. Oh, Black Panther continues to be good too. Yeah. Uh, Black Science as well. And the Black Stages. <laughs> Sorry, I misread it. The Black Stages. Uh, are you reading this book? No, I've missed it. Um, this is uh, James Tinney in the fourth and Ryan Sai with Walter Bayamonte on colours. Uh, it's another one. It's another Boombox book, so a, uh, the Boom Teen imprint. And this is about a bunch of boys who uh, work in the backstage department of a theatre society at school. And uh, the backstage is uh, like a kind of very mysterious like Twilight Zone-esque mm. kind of thing where weird creatures and, uh, you know, holes to nowhere exist and they have to venture in there to find one of their fellow backstages. It's a really sweet book and all the issues up to now have been kind of one-and-dones and this is the first kind of carry-on uh, where they kind of try and solve a problem that came up in the last issue and I think it was the strongest issue. So a lot of really, really great, like the strongest issues of, of series that have started this year came out this week. Yeah, it's been a good week. Highly nice recommend week. Backstages. It's really fun and definitely pushes a different... Different kind of comic for boys. Yeah, it's which is extremely so nice. high camp. Like every character in this could potentially be gay, but yeah. I don't really think that's the point that James Tinney and the Fourth is trying to make with this. No, but it's nice to have a 
comic for boys that's not like hyper masculine. This is so far from masculine. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, it's got a great color palette as well. Yeah, so lots cute. Of, lots of purples. Lot of purple. Speak um, something that is hyper masculine. <laughs> I am still really enjoying um, Peter Milligan's Britannia, which I know you didn't especially enjoy. This is kind of his gory um, Roman detective in you know Britain kind of story. How many boobs got splattered with blood in this in this issue? There weren't any boobs in what this the issue. Hell? There were no boobs in this issue. Um, there was a sexy pagan lady, Ooh. but, um, yeah, no boobs, just scary magic and weird Celtic warlords and that kind of stuff. Heaps cool. I, I, I really enjoy this and I really like it as well because it's like, it is ridiculous and it's very like fantastic, but it also has an essay in the back, um, of each issue from like a ancient historian. So this one has, um, a an essay about Nero by Dr. Ed Bisfam, who um, is an associate professor in ancient history at Oxford. And it's just a heaps interesting. Like, Peter Milligan has clearly done a heap of research and you don't get that many books about ancient history and that kind of stuff. So I find it really compelling and really good fun. I love it. Awesome. Check it out, guys. No. (laughs) (laughs) But you should. If you like ancient history, you should check it out for sure. Uh, you can find all of the books that we talked about this week at King's Comics, which mm-hmm. is... 310 Pitt Street or oh. online at kingscomics.com. We have uh, very reasonable uh, postage. And uh, <laughs> if you if you like a book and you want to support it, the best thing for you to do is add it to your pull list. Yeah. So the comic store that you buy your books from knows to order it and therefore hopefully books that you love don't get cancelled. Yeah, it's such a confusing system. If only they paid attention to trade sales. But, or digital um, sales or yes. all the many different ways you can read comics these days. But... Still pre-order. Oh, well. Um, we had a nice email that mm-hmm. we I mentioned last week from Joseph McCaffrey. Joe from New Jersey um, that I thought we could, we could answer now. Yeah, let's do it. He said, um, I just started listening to your show and I really like it. Thank you. A while ago, DC promised fans an all-new Suicide Squad lineup that would have been awesome. It consisted of Parasite, Black Hand, Poison Ivy, Daniel West's Reverse Flash, Cheetah, and Talon. Then DC announced their movie lineup and the all-new Suicide Squad fell in line with the movie characters. What do you guys think of comics taking on the personality of movies? Should they be separate? I, for one, think that, that this is hindering comics, as creative teams tend to take fewer risks with stories and characters when they are made to satisfy a more mainstream audience. Thanks. Whew. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it's a big it's a big topic because I think that, like, so much of the time it just depends on how it's written. Yeah. You know, like, I think that there have been times when giving the characters a more distinctive voice by, like, distilling it down in the movies has been really positive like i mean i think that the iron man movies while they may have now slightly damaged the character of iron man at the time it led to like way better iron man comics definitely having yeah. a more Ma- like Matt distinctive iron man, voice. iron man run, which came out the same time as the film yeah. is the first movie is, is far and away my favorite iron man run yeah absolutely same and salvador la roca um, um but it can be frustrating when there's something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like a super fun book and has a really like rich history and all these bizarre characters who exist in it. Well, and I then mean, we the, just the thing get is, the it almost kind lineup. of doesn't. Like the characters within. Well, I mean, it, there's lots of quasars. Sure, but but Quasar <laughs> hasn't been in Guardians yet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like the the book that definitely inspired the Guardians movie, which is the run by Andy Lanning mm. and um, Dan Abnett, is so different to what it 
Like, you, you can see little flares of it. It's definitely the reason why they even got considered for a movie was because of how successful that series was. It's yeah. such a good book. And then when the Guardians book came out before the movie that Bendis worked on, it is so tonally different. Yeah. And they fucked up Rocket, Rocket Raccoon so much yeah. to make it more in line with whatever they were pitching in the movie. Like, I actually get more worried about when things mirror the cinematic universe before the movies have even come out. Like, it's almost like they have a meeting. Marvel have a meeting, like, we want Tony Stark to be like this now. So, if you could yeah, write it like yeah, this. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, like, I mean, to, to use the example of Suicide Squad, like, I don't think Harley Quinn makes sense on yeah, that team at all. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't even, I, I don't think that any of the Suicide Squad books that she was in in the New 52 were are beloved by anyone. No. So, yeah. But that said, you know, like, I don't think as many people would have come in droves if they did the original lineup of, like, you know, Bronze Tiger, Deadshot, Rick Flag, etc. Yeah, but then, like, they probably would have. No one, no one would have assumed that you would go to see a Guardians of the Galaxy movie with Groot and Rocket Raccoon, oh, you know? If, like, but it if, just... the, if they made Suicide Squad well, but, like, as the big stands, <laughs> the only reason people went to see that movie in droves was because yeah, of Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Absolutely. Um, just, just do a Harley Quinn movie. Just do a Harley Quinn book. Don't get her off the Suicide Squad. Doesn't yeah. Actually, I just, I just said she was good in this week's Suicide Squad, so whatever. Um, you, you're, it is definitely a case-by-case thing. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I prefer it when they're more distinct universes, just because one's one thing and the other's the other mm, thing, and that's absolutely. great. But and when they start sort of crossing over, like, we've gotten some good things. Like, I like the new version of Nick Fury, but they introduced him in, like, the dumbest, most confusing way to just to justify him being in the universe. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I didn't... They should have just confused. made it an editorial note. Like, yeah, you know, just been like, 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 now Nick Fury is this. Nick Fury, whatever. Nick Fury is black now. Yeah. Simper and Steve. Yeah, <laughs> like, who cares? Ed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's the need to kind of explain things to make them more in line with the cinematic universe. Yeah. Like, these and bizarre I get, stories. I get that that's just to bring the, the movie Con- watchers into reading comics, but I'm going to, like... The people who like the movies don't necessarily read the comics anyway. Like, I think that we've probably gotten a few more people coming in to buy comics yeah. because of the movies, and there's definitely more interest around superheroes and comics in general. But people aren't like running in droves to be like, oh my god, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy comic, and yeah. it's got the lineup from the movie. I love it. Like, that's just not happening. So I don't understand who they're trying to please. Yeah. But you look at like our favorite books at the moment Thor, yes. um, Doctor Strange. Uh, Jason Aaron. But, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of our favorite Marvel books at the moment uh, could not be further from their cinematic counterparts. Yeah. You know, like Thor isn't even the same sex as the Thor in the yeah. movies at the moment. And the Doctor Strange books are wildly different to the movie. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like you can take certain elements of it and still make it a completely different thing that still feels kind of in line with the movie. Mm. But it is case by case. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not entirely against it, but I definitely think there have been bad examples of it happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, it's... It, it's that's not a satisfying answer because we're both like, it just depends. <laughs> but for me, on a personal level, um, I prefer them to be really, really separate on a more micro level. Sometimes it works and that's okay. Yeah, I can't think of anything worse than if they relied on the movies to dictate what they did next in the uh, in the comics. I know, that would be terrible. Like, the same universe. Like, oh oh no. my God, that was like something that really made me anxious for a little while. I was like, I feel like Marvel are doing that. And I would, I would, be, I would be bummed if that happened. Thanks so much for your email, Joe from New Jersey. Joe from New Jersey. Joe from NJ. Um, and uh, if you've got an email for us or a question you want to ask us, the easiest way to do it is send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com <laughs> or ask us online. I've said it a hundred times, but there's a group of 200 people online right now arguing about comics in the name of Serious Issues, and that is because they are part of our group, which is uh, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues podcast. Um, it's been really, really fun wasting my day 
arguing about yeah. events and writers and characters and all that fun comic stuff. If that, if that sounds appealing to you, please come join us. Uh, you could just find us online regularly, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or at Twitter, twitter.com slash Serious underscore underscore Issues. I'm at LevDog on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and Siobhan is at SiobhanCBG. One last thing to do, and that is to talk about the comics that we recommend that are coming out this week. Uh, the big one is the new comic by um, Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder, AD After Death, number one. Yeah, it looks We've cool. We've both already read it mm-hmm. in the first issue. It's like a three-parter. It's really, really cool and different. Mm-hmm. It's like a proper storybook with a little bit of comic at the end. Um, <clears throat> the final issue of Chew comes out through Image. Um, so we get to finally say a farewell to that comic. Uh, Civil War 2 has its uh, seventh issue. As Ooh. does the uh, fourth issue of Death of X. So, two Marvel events that I think are <laughs> shit that I still love reading are coming out. I'm sure I've got many other people uh, uh, on the same same wavelength as me. Uh, Season 11 of Buffy is starting up. Oh, I, wow. I always like jump back onto Buffy for a little while and read a couple of issues here and there. Just because I like to keep my toe in, know what's going on in the Buffyverse. So, that's exciting. Another comic ending is Empress number 7. Um, Are you which still is, reading that? Yeah. Huh. It's been kind of fine, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> Not hmm. really. <laughs> Um, uh, and The Goddamned uh, by Jason Aaron. Oh, and, nice. Uh, what's his name again? Raphael Albuquerque? Nope. Nope. R.M. Guerra? That's it. That's it. Uh, that returns um, after a long absence for its mm. fifth issue. Um, we've also got the first issue of Superpowers, which is the Out Balthazar and Franco um, new new all ages um, comic about all the DC superheroes. Looks, which looks very really super fun. friends. Lake and of Fire issue four as well. Yep, new Lake of Fire issue and uh, a brand new series of Ultimates number one starts over at Marvel. Oh, cool. So that'll be a fun little world to revisit. Hmm. Cool. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week as Siobhan says and only Siobhan every single week. Stay serious. <laughs> hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts one is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.